Captain's Log, Stardate August 15th, Earth Year 2016. These are the voyages of the USS Lapsed Gamer, its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new games on old ones, and to go where lots of podcasts have already boldly gone before and talk endlessly about No Man's Sky. I am your captain, Mark T. Hamer, and joining me today are my intrepid crew, Commander Stuart Spock-Neal, Dr. Ali Bones-Cornwall, Chief Engineer Adam Scotty-Ducker, and our voluptuous communications officer, Andy Uhura Pidicecki. Good evening, crew. Oi, oi, captain. Hello. <laughs> Which universe are we in? 2009? Please say 2009. Um, I do not want to be old Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, surely we should have Cullen here, not me. Maybe we'll cut that. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Unfortunately, George Takei was had to drop out of this recording at the last moment, so without helmsman, but we shall venture forth regardless. Okay, we've had some listener messages uh, and some questions popping through through the subspace Ethernet. Uh, first one coming from uh, Jack Smith at Chronogenesis on Twitter, and he asks, uh, This week in board games I've been running a TV network, eating sushi, terraforming lands, fighting fires and writing novels. I love the amount of unique themes in tabletop world. What unexplored themes do you want to see in games of any variety? Uh, a couple I've been thinking about. Warhammer themed, uh, I'm guessing. That's, I think we've got enough of those. Um, <laughs> but it's saturated. We haven't, had, we haven't had a Warhammer driving simulator yet. True, our uh, one-to-one combat. I think uh, you know, that's something like Gears of War. I think for uh, or, or the, an add-on for the Sims. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we had the flight sim either. Um, True. I think. Think about it. Um, religion. I think religion's quite ignored by video games in many ways. Um, so something exploring religious. Um, historical events so I know there's like a board game coming about out about the Reformation so stuff like that that have, you know have influenced history you mean like this the serious side of yeah religious history yeah rather than whether we should be religious or whether there is a god or something I just do feel mm. that video games as a whole avoid it quite a lot I think well the there was the um were they was it still Bullfrog or was it Lionhead at that point? Uh, black and White mm. and Black and White Two. I yeah. think they were Lionhead, where you basically played a god, uh, and you had to you you increased. It was like an RTS game, but yeah. instead of like increasing your influence by spreading your territory, it, 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 the way you did it was increasing your influence on the denizens of this world mm. to become a more powerful deity. Yeah, but that's kind of like you know silly fantasy. Yeah, I remember that was about, was well, about 16 years ago now. That was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. there's been nothing really. And one could argue that all religion is silly fantasy, but I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think that they, they do avoid the subject, though, because it's such a, a tricky and difficult subject matter that mm. you're always going to offend or please people, or it's just such a fine line, I think, between, unless it's an outright educational game which would probably be boring as hell if, it, if that's what it had to be, then I think that there's just such a fine line unless they make up their own religion, which I'm sure there is in DSX and stuff like that, that if you do go down that road, it could be very treacherous and 
yeah. could make or well, break the developer. Games have managed to do it in interesting ways with make-believe religions before, like uh, in um, The Elder Scrolls V Skyrim, there is the, the whole the persecution of um, people that follow a particular religion. I can't remember which god it is they, they, um, they, they pray to, but the... Um, uh, the Imperials sort of try and squash it out and try and push that god aside, um, and that that, would, that threw up some like interesting themes. But yeah, like you say, it's kind of difficult to do with real world religions mm. without offending everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I suppose yeah, if you go back offended. to history, if you go back to history, though, I think you can use historical events. Yeah, 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 like Moses well, and shit yeah. like that. Well, like the the. Um, the Assassin's Creed film is based around the Spanish Inquisition, yeah. is it not? Yeah. It's, yeah. But there's not much, really much of a hint in the games themselves, is it? The games sort of do avoid it to a large degree. Yeah, because it's too easy to upset people. Yeah. Um, melted mental illness, I thought. I know there's a couple of games coming out, but that's not really focused on. And maybe characters with mm-hmm. disabilities. You know, and older characters. You got South Park for that. <laughs> 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 there, there have been little games, so like um, depression quests mm. and games like that, that have tried to centre around um, mental illness and mental health issues. I've always felt too many have done it with like the horror slant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that. Like yeah. there's more to mental illness than thinking that there's a monster chasing you or something when maybe there isn't. Isn't yeah. that, wasn't that the crux of the Condemned games? Yeah. A little bit, yeah, and yeah. Fear. Fear was, was that you were seeing something and... Yeah, that girl. Yeah. The girl was real, no? Yeah. Yeah. It was a ghost or spirit. So that she was, had, like, yeah. a baby. But I think you'll find a lot of random games like this on Steam, though, on platforms where they're not as uh, tight on um, what you can release as long as it works, I guess, to an extent these days. Yeah. Um, I think you'll find a lot of... Mm. educational games and different games if you like so it could be a, a good source for, for Jack to go to if he's uh, thinking of different things is, is if you've got a decent well not necessarily a decent PC for some of those games but I think you'll find a lot of different games on Steam which mm. we all know I think you can shower with your dad or something random like that that someone told me once you've found oh yeah <laughs> yes, yeah. 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 yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> Like, I prefer Sharon with my mum, just for the record. The <laughs> ones that, that always surprise me, uh, like, they're not things that I'd ever think of, they're just ones that pop out of nowhere, like, um, in the green room before the show, I was talking about some of the games I've got in my Steam catalogue, and there's, like, Prison Architect, which is an RTS game where you run a prison. I never would have thought, you know, that I wanted a game where you could run a prison, or um, one of the games I'm going to be talking about later on, uh, Overcooked, um, which is just basically making food. Um, I guess it's like Cooking Mama. Um, again, like, oh. who would have asked for a game like Cooking Mama before Cooking Mama existed? Um, I've actually not actually played it, but I've seen some footage of it. That weird pigeon dating game called Hatterful Boyfriend. Um, this this forever in sales on on uh, PS4. Like, it's a Japanese dating sim with where all the people are pigeons. Um, no one asked for that, but people like it. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> I've always wanted to see something about like the mundane nature of like school. I've always thought of something like you were just playing a kid, maybe something a bit like The Escapist. You're just a kid trying to cause mischief, not as much as bully, mm. trying to like cheat exams and stuff. Just actually trying to 
make their way in like a regular school I've always thought some sort of idea of like a school desk and being able to try and sneak into sneak like paper up your sleeves and stuff and not get caught you know all the mm. crap we used to all try at school right yeah yeah well there's been like interesting little games that have like tried to tackle mundanity and done quite well with it like um um oh god we were talking about it before the recording oh, papers the, the Papers, please, yeah. And there was another one where it was like a, a little indie game where you play someone working in a call center. Um, oh, I get this call every day. Sort of. Yes, uh, yeah. Things like that, the sort of like games that tackle really boring tasks, mm-hmm. but oh, somehow make them interesting as well, isn't there? Yeah. They'd have yes, to make yeah. it really interesting, though, because I'm not being funny. I, I, I don't want to be at work for any longer than I have to be anyway I'm sure as I don't want to come <laughs> and go oh fuck it I'm just going to sit on the phone and play a game pretending I'm answering calls <laughs> no. but they do like <laughs> Papers Please is really compelling in, you know, it finds its way of being compelling even though stamping passports sounds like the most boring thing ever yeah, yeah. they managed to make it compelling as part of this question, Jack also posted a couple of um, pictures of board games, what have you, um, sort of covering. Mm. Um, there was a couple of different ones and things. One of them that kind of stood out for me was a hostage negotiation one, um, oh, which would be yeah, really yeah. interesting in a game. Even yeah. just yeah. even just doing it as a twine um, text-based game could be quite interesting. Mm-hmm. But if you think yeah. if you started adding in the sort of facial capture um, of something like L.A. Noir and actually trying to do sort of face-to-face negotiation and things like that, that would be really interesting. It yeah. could be done in uh, a game. Mm. If they could get it right this time, because sometimes <laughs> the negotiating the interrogation bits in um, L.A. Noire would sometimes verge wildly between different emotions. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of sort of rational um, escalation would help, definitely. Yeah. There's something like that fire when I played the board game. Hold a fire rescue or something. Pretend to be firemen. That'd be quite yeah. interesting. Or fire investigation or something like backdraft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, there was there was a whole mission series about that in uh, L.A. Noire. Mm. Yeah, there it was. was one of the best parts of that game. Yeah. I think it was actually one of the DLC mm. ones as well. Yes, yeah, it was. Yeah, I think that could be quite a good uh, game. Actually, being like a fireman and driving the truck and working your way up through the ranks and. Then I go into a different department. I was actually, yeah, after seeing that board game myself, I know I have a fire simulator or fire brigade game um, on PC uh, just as a CD-ROM somewhere um, but I couldn't actually find it whenever I was trying to sort of search through YouTube and what have you but there is a mm. fire simulator or whatever that's I think available on Steam so there are some games like that yeah, Okay. Mm. just going back to games about mundane tasks <laughs> who would have ever thought that games like truck simulator and farming, farming simulator, simulator yeah. Yeah, would, would be successful but they are (laughs) okay next up our very own lee howard at count fosco he messages to say seeing as telltale games wolf among us was featured recently uh, what other ips would you like adapted in this style murder she wrote that's a good question (laughs) (laughs) colombo yes (laughs) um it's a difficult one because like you can't take existing stories you'd have to you have to work around them somehow so like the wolf among us is a prequel to fables and telltales game of thrones tells stories of other characters in different parts of the world uh, around the main story i wouldn't mind seeing them if they did it right um tackling something in the tolkien universe Mm. um yeah 
I was actually going to say even Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time, or I could oh, yeah. happily take something in the Dune universe as well. I was, that's yeah. exactly what I was going to say. Yep. Like something set in that universe or Blade Runner universe. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say Blade Runner. Fantastic. Yeah. <coughs> Sorry. I was going to say Blade Runner. Yeah. Mm. There's so many properties they could. If it hadn't could, completely yeah. died, the Matrix could have been a good one. They could have done something a bit like the Animatrix with mm. different stories around that world. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The yeah. Animatrix was great. Yeah. I think. Um, It'd be quite good to see something out of uh, Indiana Jones as well. Not necessarily remaking the the originals uh, from the PC, but uh, I think potentially you could extend into that universe because they were really good games over yeah. back like in the day. Young Indiana Jones. There were some mm. good stories that could have been told yeah. around that. Yeah. Um, There's so many different IPs that they could mine. I just wish uh, they would stop it and make some sequels <laughs> to some of their other games. <laughs> yeah. Fix the engine. Yeah. Uh, fix the engine, yeah. please. Yeah. <laughs> Red Dwarf. Ooh, oh yeah. my god, yes. Yeah. Yeah. If they could get the uh, original cast back together. Yeah. That'd be Just, good. Well, uh, well, it is the original still, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, they've, 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 got, they've yeah. got a new series coming out, so... Yeah. I just yeah. love a Red Dwarf game. I think it'd be so funny. Yeah. Mm. Bit, bit tongue-in-cheek and that mm. bit. Yeah. Digressing a little bit, but... And some f- Warhammer, yeah. T- well, tickets, tickets, red. Every answer is going to be Warhammer or Transformers. Warhammer. Yeah, that's yeah. It. I'm sure there's something in the Black Library somewhere that you can uh, yeah. make a Telltale game that's out of. It. But you know, when they announced Batman, I thought they were going to do something like the Gotham Central series, where it might make it more crime um, thriller, focus on the police department, and not Batman. Because we've played so many games with Batman, make it more about. The police themselves. I thought that would be more interesting with Batman in the background, but not with Batman. Oh, you mean like, like Gotham, uh, Gotham, Gotham, Gotham Central? Gotham. Gotham. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. To be fair, Gotham yeah. doesn't sell. Batman does. Mm. Want to make some money? Get into the, <laughs> the nitty gritty oh. of it, but yeah, I think there's loads of properties that I'd like to see Telltale tackle. But like you say, it'd be nice to get some sequels or for them to upgrade their janky engine. So I think a lot of the ones that we would like probably just wouldn't, because apart from stuff like um, The Wolf Among Us, which the fables weren't a particularly well-known comic book uh, or comic series, uh, most of the, the IPs they tackle are big. Like They made The Walking Dead game off the back of that TV show exploding, mm. and like Minecraft is huge, and Game of Thrones is huge, and um, Borderlands probably mm. less so, but... and. Batman is huge, you know, they pick these big IPs so I think something like Dune or um, I, I'd like to, it'd be very difficult to get the humour right, but a Telltale game set in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy <laughs> universe um, but, you know, it's just, I'd, would there be enough of a market for those games, which is unfortunate, but, you know they are a business Yeah, yeah. Well, something like Dune might take um, sort of another remake or reboot of the actual film possibly yes but there would be well, you have to imagine there's enough of a cult following for June mm. and people of a certain age as well um, who would necessarily possibly want to play um, the Telltale games so that maybe um, but I think yeah some of the other ones are definitely sort of pushing it a little bit um, I think even the fact that Game of Thrones didn't necessarily do as well as it could have I'm sure it still probably sold well, but certainly, you know, comparing it to um, Minecraft or um, you know, even possibly The Wolf Among Us, and certainly The Walking Dead, it's not. Uh, Game of Thrones is definitely one of Telltale's lesser games. 
Yeah, I imagine that um, Game of Thrones probably cost a little bit more than the ones to make as well because they had to uh, bring in uh, Peter Dinklage and Lena Headey and, and, and people like that, like actual actors from the show to voice characters in there, which is usually prohibitively expensive, even for a studio that's printing their own money like uh, Telltale are. But there's a season two coming out though, isn't there? So, well, they say there is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when they the, said there'd be a second season of Wolf as well. <laughs> there's still time. There is, yeah, there is. But I wouldn't be surprised if they just start announcing more. Like, I, I wouldn't at all be surprised if, if you know, uh, Telltale just said we're going to be making a new series set around some of the side characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, yeah, doing, I was that say wouldn't surprise yeah. me at all. They are doing a Marvel one. Yeah, yeah, are they? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, okay. yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, didn't they announce something? It was at E3 or something. They just put a random logo up to say Marvel. And that yeah, was about that it. That was all it was. They didn't say yeah. whether it was major characters, anything to tie in. They just said Marvel. Mm. <clears throat> and yeah. then an original series as well with like the Lionsgate are working on them with. See, that could be interesting. I'd like to see what they did with their own property. What they what they could tell with an original story. Because they are good at storytelling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just have a janky-ass engine underneath. <laughs> It'd be nice if they did some books and stuff as well. Um, right, you know, not just TV shows. I know uh, Wolf Among Us was a, a comic book. Um, but I think taking it away from that, I think there's some popular books out there. You could even possibly do a Harry Potter one or something. There's, yeah. there's a lot of stuff that's got such an extended universe that nobody's really touched on for some reason uh, with games that... Yeah, they could monopolize that a bit. Star Wars, <laughs> always. Yeah, yeah. Like they've yeah. got the new canon. They they give them free reign mm. to do whatever they wanted, telling a story somewhere else or untold yeah. stories in between. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Star Trek would probably be better. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Topical. Yeah. <laughs> Endless. So, uh, past and future guests, Colm Sheridan at Psalm67, he messages to say, Have you found or are you now less of a lapsed gamer since starting the podcast? If you are, uh, if, if so, are you still allowed to call yourself a lapsed gamer? <laughs> a gamer Is with it? lapsed tendencies? Oh. Yeah. He's yeah. asking for our cards. <laughs> 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 yeah, we've got to turn again. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I'm uh, the slightly less lapsed spect- uh, end of the, of the lapsed gamer spectrum. I play. Mm. I end up playing games in some capacity most evenings. But, you know, even I have lapsed compared to how I used to be. I mean, I was talking to a friend at work about this. It's like the, the curse of getting older. You get more money to be able to buy more games, but you've got less time to be able to play those games. <laughs> so I don't know anyone who you know buys games who doesn't have a massive backlog just because there's just yeah. not enough time to play mm. them. Yeah. So that's what I say. Uh, for me, I think a lapsed gamer is someone that can't necessarily. They might buy the latest title, but they can't dedicate that that time to it. And I think, like you say, once you hit that, what, mid-twenties, or once you start getting responsibilities of your own, children, house, mortgage, ex- extra, 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 you, you do just, it's a couple of hours a night if you're lucky. Um, I know people like Lee can't really dedicate as much time as he'd like to, um, and yeah. you get a massive backlog. Like, once upon a time, I'd have picked up all of the big games that come out in, like, the silly season from, like, August, September onwards. 
like this year there's like there's a there's a lot of games coming out that I wouldn't mind picking up. Wouldn't mind getting mind getting Deus Ex, I wouldn't mind getting Mafia 3. Um, there's a few other ones as well. I'll probably end up getting one of them, maybe. Um, and then picking up some smaller games on, on sale because I just can't devote the time to playing all the big AAA games that I used to be able to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you get more selective though. Be fine, yeah. you get, I'm finding you get more selective in what you play. And those you start playing what you're not too sure of, you give half an hour to an hour and you're like, that's it, I'm off moving on to another one. Yeah. yeah, and I think for, for a lot of us as well, it's the price as well. The fact that I know when people have worked it out, they've not actually changed in price an awful lot. But yeah. sometimes when you're looking at a game and you add the, the DLC and stuff, which we'll get onto later, uh, you could be looking £100 ish, maybe yeah. maybe touching 200 if there's a particularly nice um, statue or something that comes with it. And then when you're looking at a credit card bill or a electricity bill or whatever and it's like I can know which one do I do you, you've got to go with the, the one that keeps the roof above your head yeah um, that's the thing I'm currently umming and ahhing over whether to buy the £70 collector's edition of Persona 5 <laughs> or, or we all know sensible. you're going to do it Just, yeah I probably will yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it comes with an art book and the soundtrack and everything and the school bag Mark yeah. Yeah, yeah and the school bag yeah <laughs> <laughs> I will say that like, since I've started on the podcast, my gaming, it hasn't really deepened, but it's definitely broadened. Like, um, I was playing games pretty much just on the PS4, and it's still my primary console, but since I've been on the podcast, I've branched out a little bit, got a Wii U, um, Stuart, you, you've introduced me back into the world of playing games on Steam yep. and uh, downloading Android games and, and, and trying those out as well. So the, my, the, the type of games I play has definitely broadened since I've been on the podcast. If I haven't been able to devote as, you know, any more time, I've been able to play a wider variety of games. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, I've not been on the podcast as long as yourself, but definitely uh, listening and, and now joining in with the podcast. Um, it's making me think about games and persona i'd never don't shoot me but i'd never heard of it um <laughs> before the podcast and stuff and now i'm actually intrigued and because i do like my jrpgs but i think sometimes when you're it's a good thing and a bad thing i guess but i've now got even more games in my backlog or potentially in my backlog because mm-hmm. um of, of speaking to you guys and listening to the podcasts and going oh yeah try this you might like that if you like this game um and, and whatnot because you're hearing people's opinions have actually played the game um, so you know, like with some games, Ghostbusters, for example, on the last episode, I'm not going to touch that with a barge pole um, <laughs> after that, and maybe Colonial Marines, but there we go. Um, uh, but So th- you then get a bigger backlog, so does that make you more of a lapsed gamer because it's like, oh shit, I've missed X amount of years of games, or how did I miss this? And now you're then playing that and taking your time away from other ones. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a sucker for buying games that take up far too much time. <laughs> like sinking 1200 hours into Destiny and then buying No Man's Sky and games like that and The Witcher 3 um, I should probably prioritise shorter games you know mm-hmm. like um, I want to get Abzu I, I don't want to buy it but I don't want to get it full price because £16 is a bit much for a game that lasts as long as that does but the idea of pay- playing a game that lasts 2-3 hours uh, same with um, Inside as well it's like that's perfect I can actually finish a game. <laughs> I think, like, like we're alluding to as well with the the age factor, 
is back in the day when uh, I've done it with the Final Fantasy 7 and 8 um, and Gears, uh, not, uh, Metal Gear Solid sorry, when that first came out uh, on the PS1 and you go around your mates, you buy it, you're excited to buy it because you've saved up your pocket money or your paper round money or whatever, you buy it, you go around your mates that, that night or he comes around to yours and you just nail it for the whole weekend, the game that is. Mm. Um, and because you've got nothing else to do, it could be the summer holidays, whereas mm. when you grow up, you get a job and you just don't get as much mm. free time. Mm. Yeah, I can't play yeah. video games all weekend, mm. I've got to go to Ikea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you get a free holiday over there. There's so many other distractions <laughs> as well, isn't there? You've got yeah. movies, you've got what's on TV, the Olympics are, are on now if you're interested in that type of sporting events, football mm. season, so there's always something to take hey. your attention. <laughs> <laughs> or you can cry into your glasses about Newcastle losing the first two games. Ooh. Yeah, but it's all right. I can actually enjoy the I can enjoy the Premier League again because Newcastle aren't there. <laughs> That's true. Ever since Portsmouth went down, I've enjoyed the Premier League a lot more. Yeah. Just <laughs> as a neutral, it is easier. Yeah, it's much easier. Certainly my experience um, from being on the podcast, I started what back in April, maybe a little earlier than that. And mm-hmm. I think just with the passage of time, um, my PS3 is obviously now becoming outdated. Um, you know, PS4 and certainly Xbox One are definitely the de facto current generation. Um, mm-hmm. It's hard to argue against that. And certainly the Wii U is not quite on life support but it's very very close to it um so what that leaves me is my pc and my android phone um in reality so just because of the passage of time and the generations and you know hardware being um sort of changed and upgraded and everything like that and the company's moving on i am getting to be a little bit of a lapsed gamer just purely because i don't necessarily have the money to spend on those um Mm. as yet Maybe in the future, one of them, you know, it might be a PS4 or it might be an NX, depending on what the NX turns out to be. Um, yeah. So it'll just be a case of waiting and seeing, and if there is something that really grabs my attention. The only reason I went for a Wii U in the first place was it hit that £200 mark, and I thought, well, that's actually going to be a Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate um, game or console to play that on. And uh, so that was the right time for me to jump in. So whether or not I. As I say, do dip into an NX or a PS4, or again, maybe just wait another generation. We'll just have to wait and see. And also then with the young kids as well. Um, it'll be interesting to see what way they go or what they want um, in maybe a couple of years as well. Yeah, I, I mean, well, I, like, I'm still primarily a PS4 player. Um, but some of the best games that I've played uh, since I started on this podcast have been on the Wii U, which the guys on the podcast convinced me to get, um, and on Steam, which used to you know, reinvigorated my interest in it. So, I mean, stuff like Splatoon and Super Mario Maker and um, Smash Brothers and Mario Kart over on the Wii U, I wouldn't have played if I hadn't ended up getting a Wii U. And then if I hadn't bothered getting back into Steam gaming, I wouldn't have played stuff like uh, Polybridge and a Kerbal Space Program and um, the Stanley Parable and games like that. So. I mean, that's what that's the good thing about having the team that we have on this on the podcast is yes, a lot of us have got PS4s and we play the new games that come out on those or Xbox One. Um, but there are there's a really wide spectrum of the sort of games that people play. Um, I mean, like I don't really play tabletop gaming, but Jack, um, who mans our Twitter quite a lot keeps on talking about these board games that sound amazing 
that you know I kind of want to get back into playing tabletop gaming. Yeah, that makes yeah. me want to get into tabletop gaming yeah. actually. Like, yeah. Um, but I just don't have the time or the space for it. Um, I always think of going to there's all these cafes isn't there where you can just drop in and play stuff I constantly think of going to one never quite mm. manage it yeah you should do it because I've got built up quite a collection and I just go to a couple of board gaming clubs um, a week or so so it's, I do in a way I do prefer board games because it's more social you know yeah, that's that's yeah. yeah so that's that sort of attraction to it you know in terms of calling themselves a last game and going back to it I find myself, unless we as a group or um, we sort of dip into a game for multiplayer, for example, I won't really go into it. I can't, I remember getting Call of Duty 4 and I put hours and hours into that game. I haven't really ever got into a, another game since and, mm. you know, so I won't dip into that type of game if I'm just getting the same sort of experience. But if I'm getting something like The Witcher, I feel that's alright, it's going to dip a lot of hours in, but... I'm going to get a different experience because it's taking me on a journey. So, call yourself a lapsed gamer. Lapsed at times, I think, you know. Yeah. Yeah, we'll keep our lapsed gamer name. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Colin also messages to say, uh, or to ask, also, what are your pet loves and pet hates about games and gaming in general? Ooh. The mm. culture roundup has to be. What, you um, love or hate? <laughs> As in, hate some of the um, certain types of gamers uh, related to the um, just sort of the culture of it. Um, they're not very inclusive, is probably the best way of putting it. I'm, I'm sure you're probably talking about a particular hashtag movement, but I can't imagine what it would be. No idea. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, not, we'll not get involved in that discussion. No. <laughs> in case we get death threats. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. That the certain sects of the of the gaming community, that the hardcore gaming community, are complete and utter quivering assholes. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> one way of putting it. Yeah, there was the story there um, about a Korean actress who does voice work for um, one of the RPGs or whatever over in Korea, and obviously, you know, it's a huge big deal and everything. But because of a T-shirt she wore, and then the sort of backlash from the gamers. Um, who played the game, they basically got her sacked by putting pressure on the company. And mm. that's just disgusting. So it is. There is absolutely yeah. no need for that. And uh, it's. And there was the um, the last who worked over, uh, she was... Oh, Nintendo uh, as well. Yeah, I can't Nintendo remember Nintendo of America, yeah, I can't remember the mm-hmm. name either, but yeah. And uh, yeah, there's been a lot of other ones um, just in the, the headlines and the news. And uh, it's, things well, like, it, it's things like that that just make you cringe. And you I just remember reading a like a long form article on Polygon about um, Jessica Chobot when she left. Uh, was it IGN she was at? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, after the fact that she'd gotten lots of grief from from um, mainly male gamers uh, over the whole Mass Effect Three thing, uh, when she left IGN and went to go and be the the head writer on that procedurally generated um, first person survival horror game, I think it's called Daylight. Um, she got loads and loads of abuse because how can a woman be writing video games? Completely ignoring the fact that some of some of the, like the best and most popular video games have been written by by women mm-hmm. like uh, yeah. Amy Hennig or or Rhiannon Patrick and uh, Pratchett, sorry, uh, and people like that. Like, Isn't yeah. one of the women at uh, uh, not Turn Ten uh, the guys that do Halo 
that does a lot of the she goes on on stage for E3 um, and I think she's one of the head producers or writers um, the gamers are dicks about stuff like that I don't care mm-hmm. I just what I don't like in that kind of gender thing is when uh, like it's the same on the Xbox One video thing is the girl on that or the woman on that is trying too much to be a bloke if you like if you like games fuck it I don't care whether you're male or female just mm-hmm. be yourself don't try and yeah. be something you're not or someone you're not because um, just the way she actually can tell she's trying to be very manly and butch about stuff I don't care mm. if you like the flowers in the game because they've been rendered really well lovely you've spotted it I probably wouldn't have spotted it because there's probably blood on it but that's the difference <laughs> of how people play the game yeah. um, but I do think just there is a, a very big divide in gamers but we are all tarred with the same brush as well mm-hmm. so for example um, I love my Forza and racing games and stuff and there are some really great guys on there awesome community and there is a, a lot of the games have got a great community around them and you can get multiplayer games and make new friends and the social aspect and then you just get the dicks that want to try and ruin it for everyone crashing into you or standing on a chest so you can't get into it because he's doing some dance or whatever you're like just <laughs> move along prick um, but then also because we play games we're all tied with the same brush that we're all going to go out because we've played Grand Theft Auto at some point in our life and start shooting and killing everyone and it's like well yeah no, because I've got a brain. It's just a release. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that's gaming. Sadly, it's a symptom of the sort of media culture in general. Even things mm-hmm. like the Olympics are being tarred with it as well. You know, you get headlines in newspapers um, that Michael Phelps, you know, only scored a silver in whatever race he was in, and yet the <laughs> sub headline of that was that um, an American female swimmer actually smashed the world record for the 800 meters, and that was yeah. in a much smaller font. Um, over Michael Phelps mm. getting a silver and that's just yeah. ridiculous mm. it's a societal problem that's not getting better at yep. the rate it should be but you know, mm. there you go but do you know what I love? games like the Stanley Parable that just come yes. out of absolutely nowhere and just make you smile um, from ear to ear things like that yeah. are just superb and that's what is really good about games you get little off the wall games that are just fun um, to play and uh, there's been so many of those throughout the years and uh, those are the things that we should really be focusing on um, they're just the fun times things like Splatoon you know, again, a game that kind of came out of nowhere um, but it's just so good and so much fun to play I love how the responsive the, the whole industry is as well to an extent, I know like we said earlier on that um, like people getting fired and stuff is taking it to the extreme but how if we all say look why don't you try this on your your next dashboard release or you know this is not working in the game and how nine times out of ten well probably not even that but they are starting to listen to us to say like the xbox one when i first released it wasn't the best console in the world i did get it on release day but that's me um but that console has got so much better and they've now got the s mainly due to the community feedback to say what the fuck it's nowhere near as powerful as the the ps4 um, and that's romped away with it compared to the last generation where it was the, the 360 compared to the PS3. Uh, but they've responded to the community feedback rather than just ignoring it, saying, well, that's what we want to do. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's it's quite nice that they do listen to us. Cool. Yeah, that like, shows the power of, of the gaming community when it comes yeah. together as a force for good, usually to say no to horrible business practices like... Um, for a while there was that culture of the um, the online um, online passes in games yeah. oh the DRM 
Yeah, like what? Well, like if you network bought a pass. game, you, it, the network pass. Yeah, you've got like a code that you entered in order to be able to to play the online elements of it, um, and that meant that if you sold the game on, uh, you know, traded it in, and somebody bought it secondhand, they would then have to buy the network pass to be able to play the online feature. And the community yeah. said, "No, this is bullshit," and it went away. Unlike the Deus Ex Mankind Divided, the new Deus Ex game, when they had that augment your pre-order nonsense, yeah. and the community just got up in oh. arms, and so Square Enix said, okay, we won't do it. Yeah. When stuff yeah. like that happens, the gaming community is great. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just the rest of the time, there are factions of it that are horrible people. <laughs> yeah. I don't think there's another industry like it either, because you, you don't get it in the, the filming community, really, or movie community, so... For example, uh, Ghostbusters. Yeah, <laughs> Batman. You know, just just films that have come out recently, and you're like, what What are you doing? Um, and even to an extent, the Marvel Universe, although that does go up and down a little bit, it, regardless of feedback, they're like, oh, fuck you, this is what we're doing. Mm. Um, whereas at least with mm. the the gaming community, they do try and adapt and give us what we want. You mm. can't please everyone. You've got the whole no. thing with the Oscars as well, haven't you? How they said all the nominations mm. are whitewashed. Yeah. And yes. they kind of tried yeah. to just downplay it until it built up to too big a thing, and they were like, "Oh, okay, I suppose maybe you're right." Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, partly, I don't like is that the lack of history. What the gaming industry companies don't sometimes understand, you know, it's up to these these individuals to almost create video games, you know. So, you know, we've got PSN, and we've had. What happens if PSN goes down? You know, they switch it off. You know, do we lose all those games? And that's oh yeah, you, like archiving, the archiving yeah. thing, and you know. So, well, it's it's like there was a really good um, uh, argument about this with with like um, it it goes in both directions. Not only like um, if you buy a game and say, for instance, No Man's Sky got a massive day one patch. If you bought the game on disc and weren't ever intending to connect to the internet, you're not going to get that updated version of it. But then in the other direction, something like Destiny. If you liked the vanilla version of Destiny, if you liked having um, the ghost voiced by Peter Dinklage, you can't play that anymore. To play it, you have to be connected to Bungie servers. To be connected to Bungie servers, you have to have the latest version of the game. And so old versions of it, which you may have preferred... Um, you can't play. Yeah, and yeah, lots of digital games, games that well, you you see it with like um, old versions of EA sports games that may be better, or you may prefer to the the modern ones. Uh, they just turn the servers off. Old Halos, they just turn the servers off, and then that's it. You can't play them anymore. There's no like digital archiving. Even with the version of um, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Um, mm. That was on Steam has been now updated to I think a version which is similar to the one that is on mobile devices. I have a yeah. funny feeling. Um, so you know you can't play the old one unless you have like a PS2 or an on-disc version of that. Um, so yeah, there is a sort of a weird um, choices, and as you say, yeah, it's the archiving of that. You know, the companies mm. themselves don't really seem to bother with it. It does come down to the enthusiasts. Whereas yeah. something something like films. The difference between games and films is that games are always on a different platform and there's always a modification to the platform, etc. Whereas film and books, etc. are on a, like a constant sort of media um, or sort of format. 
you know they will always have the yeah. film or it'll then be made into digital which is then you know available to so many different things and they're going to do so many things with that but it's mm-hmm. coming down to the emulation um, of older consoles and older machines which is getting to the tricky bit yeah. Unless, of course, you want the original cuts of the first three Star Wars films. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> you mean like the ones that I have on DVD on my shelf? Yeah. Oh. Mm, same here. <laughs> nice. I bet they'd be worth something now. Possibly, yeah. And our last question comes in from Dan Ragnar, at Justin Knowles on Twitter, or Justin underscore Knowles, and he says, uh, does DLC and season passes alter your purchasing decision? For example, I'm waiting for the Game of the Year edition before buying The Witcher 3. I also didn't buy the latest WWE game, as I felt like so much of the content was excluded to be sold as DLC, but on the other side of the coin, I bought Fallout 4 on release knowing that it would have DLC to extend my time in that world. Uh, it doesn't alter my purchasing decision, but it always makes me regret my purchasing decision. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like yeah. I always, I always regret it. every time. Mm. If you'd waited a year, you could have got the Game of the Year edition with everything for yeah. the same price. And especially yeah. in this world where like season passes prices seem to be going up and up, mm-hmm. it makes no sense. It doesn't make like financial sense to almost pay double the price when you could just wait a year and get it for the mm-hmm. same price. But I do it every time. The Witcher 3 is a good example of a uh, studio slash publisher doing it right. Um, the game itself was you know, a full price game but it was a su- su- substantial game. And then if you put together the two pieces of DLC they are larger in scope than the entirety of The Witcher 2 and they sold the season pass for £20. Which is incredible value. Mm. I mean yeah, I mean waiting a, a little while later you'll be able to get the whole whack for Know, 30 to 50 pounds um, yeah. yeah maybe a bit less yeah. than that mm. uh, but they did it right but a lot of yeah the, the, the big problem I have with DLC is when it comes to multiplayer games um, splitting the community uh, so I mean Battlefield 4 is a good example of this I bought Battlefield 4 and Battlefield Premium together um, which cost 80 pounds which is a lot of money for a game and I got I got my my fair fill out of it, and there were enough people on it who bought the DLC so that the, the later map packs were populated. But selling season passes and map packs can too often splinter um, the, the install base for games. Like that's people say is one of the main reasons why the the first Titanfall had such a short tail is because nobody bought the season pass for it and so when the multiplayer maps came out nobody was playing them it's the, the, the battlefield hardline as well like um the number of people playing the dlc maps for battlefield hardline is pathetic um like absolutely tiny uh and it's just it's not good like star wars battlefront is another one as well like um they brought out a few free pieces of dlc and then start pumping out the paid for stuff and not that many people are going to buy it given uh, seeing how many copies yeah, seeing how many copies have been traded in. Like, are people actually going to play those? And then the people who did pay for the season pass, when they get in those maps, are they going to be able to find a game? I was going to say, the, the issue with the, the two of the examples that um, have been given in this particular instance, Fallout 4 and Witcher 3, they're such big games that um, by the time you get to the point where you're doing DLC, depending on how many hours you can pump into those games, you'll find that the DLC, you may it may have come out, been released, like for me, example, I don't know how close I am to the end of Witcher 3 vanilla, if you like, before the DLC. But that's the, the DLC has been and gone, and I'm still playing the original game to get to the point where I'd need DLC. 
and similar with Fallout. So by that point, you could get the DLC cheap um, with the things like Call of Duties and Battlefront and stuff like that. You have to try and keep with the curve if you want to carry on playing that game. Um, and it is forced down your throat a little bit. I don't think a lot of uh, the companies think about what they're doing. It's, it's a cash cow, um, unfortunately. Um, and um, like The Division, for example, when that was coming out, awesome, yeah, lovely. Um, and I've got that on, on my Xbox and I've got the whole shebang. Um, and yeah, the DLC is good. And to be fair, the, the latest DLC um, is, is made me wanting to play it more. Um, but it's taken a while to get there. And like with, with Star Wars Battlefront is, oh yeah, I've got this DLC and I was expecting it to be fairly quick that they'd pump out quite a lot with your DLC pack. But it took till nearly six months in, if not over six months, until you got your first paid for bit of DLC, which... Mm -hmm. For me, it's a bit shocking. If you've paid for a DLC for that game because you love it, you'd expect something within the first three months, I would have thought, or at least something for your money. Um, Looking at um, The Division, like you've got the, 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 the DLC packs of The Division, how many of the people that you played The Division with online have actually got that DLC pack? Uh, well, when I've been playing it recently, quite a lot, because that's all I've been playing. But yeah, I, I see what you're saying. But then on the flip side of that, um, there's an issue with Forza, so big Forza racing fan, and I always get the the uh, the pack with the DLC pack, which gives me all the downloadable cars. But then recently, in the last couple of games, it's you only get is it four or five, maybe a few more packs of the cars. But then there's more after that. So if you want those cars, granted it doesn't make or break the game, but you have to buy those separately outside of the DLC pack or the season pass. It's like, hang on, mate, I've just spent an extra, well, probably the same price on the game again for your DLC pack, um, or for, for your season pass, and I'm not getting it all. And it's like, yeah. fuck, fuck off, yeah, no chance. Um, and then sometimes on those ones, they give you a, a track within that car pack as well, which they did on the, the recent one. So if you haven't got the season pass and you don't buy that DLC pack, there's, there's tracks you can't even race on in that game because it's part of that DLC pack, which is ridiculous. Shit. Yeah. Shit. I mean, for me, yeah. if I'm going to look at it, if I, if I know there's going to be a game of the year edition, I suspect is I probably won't get the base vanilla game. Um, so, like for Dragon Age Inquisition, I knew there was going to be a game of the year edition, and now you can pick up the game of the year edition for about ten quid with all the DLC if you shop around. Um, the Witcher, I wanted to wait, but um, I picked it up for ten pounds. But also. The special edition DLC packs, you know, with the Gwent cards. Um, I wanted to pick them up, so I picked those up. Um, so I ended up paying a little bit more, but something like for Batman. I know I didn't play Arkham Knight, but I know this year is going to be a Game of the Year edition, so I picked that up. So <laughs> they're sort of shooting themselves in the foot now with it because, as a customer like for myself, I know they're going to most games now there's going to be some sort of DLC especially if it's big so I suspect there's going to be an Uncharted 4 game of the year edition there will be further will be a Fallout um, 4 game of the year edition you know with all the DLC in one disc because we did it we've done it with Elder Scrolls we've done it with the previous Fallout games so we're going to do it with this one yeah, yeah. so 
I mean, you've got like the games that do it right. You've got like two ends of the spectrum. You've got like the games like, uh, say, World of Warcraft, where um, you don't pay for lots of little silly bits of DLC. It's like once every year or so, or six months maybe at the most, there'll be like a substantial expansion pack that you that you you pay for and you get a big chunk of the game. Or you get the other end um, games like um, Overwatch, where all future maps and characters are going to be free and it's being funded by like a microtransaction system and then there's certain games that sort of straddle it in the middle like how Destiny's doing it where they have a microtransaction system for cosmetic items like the like it is in Overwatch that helps fund giving free expansion packs like they they gave uh, Destiny players a few months ago and then once a year or once every 6 months or whatever then there'll be like a substantial expansion pack that that is paid for for like 20 pounds or something like that um that seems to be sort of the right model to go with DLC um too many games just sort of Try and they sell you like a basic package, and then try and sell what should have been the full on disc game, um, in bits. Capcom are terrible for this. I I, I haven't played a WWE game in a long time, so I don't know what it's what this, this the situation is with the the latest WWE WWE game. But like, you look at like the some of the recent Capcom fighting games, um, <clears throat> mainly Street Fighter ones, where there has been on disc DLC characters on the disc you have to pay to unlock that should be in the base game stuff like that is just horrible mm. yeah I think with the, the latest WWE games which I have got um, is it, it's not such a big issue personally it's not too bad basically um, they get out the wrestlers that they can and then there's possibly new people that, that join the roster um, or have not necessarily left because they don't take them out but there, there, are, there are so many wrestlers that are coming and going I think it's hard for them to say we're going to get them all in. So that's when they get a DLC pack where they put the NXT wrestlers in, for example, um, and people like that because I don't think they physically have the time. I think for that kind of game and to get all the motion capturing done and rendering of the that individual, there's so much that they have to do that there is a point where they have to go, right, we're stopping that process now. Anybody after that is DLC. And if for a game like that, you can kind of understand. Um, but there are story-driven ones as well. Um, which you don't have to play through but the good thing is is they do try and separate the DLC out so you can either buy the season pass or you can just buy the latest wrestler pack for sometimes it's not a lot six seven quid something like that or you've got your storyline ones but then you've got your creator wrestler um, area as well so other than the music if you really wanted to play as you know say Bailey who's in NXT you could just go on a maker um, granted you won't have a music but you pretty much to the letter could make her exactly as she is if you've got the time to do it with all the movesets so with a game like WWE I don't see it's a massive uh, problem um, and they do do the story driven ones where you're playing so the latest one was Stone Cold so he's the main uh, front cover star you play through his career and then they release some for uh, Undertaker and Macho Man Randy Savage and, and people like that and yeah it is a way of making more money but you're still getting something for it, I think there's a at the minute there's an issue with multiplayer DLC and single player DLC. Single player DLC, personally, I haven't got a problem with it as long as it's not pre bundled on a disc or they've I suppose they still have to plan it out. Um, but as long as I'm not feeling I'm getting half a game and then they're giving me more, 
whereas multiplayer it could be stopping you playing with your friends or forcing mm-hmm. you to buy the DLC because then you can't use X gun that might be overpowered to start off with until they nerf it or whatever um, and also play on some of the, the new maps and it's, it forces your hand a little bit. So while we've been drifting up here in the, the inky blackness of space on the USS Lapsed Gamer, we've been passing the time by playing some games. Commander Stuart Neal, do you want to start us off? I can and did. I want to hear a yes, Captain. <laughs> <laughs> Followed by a Captain. <laughs> uh, this week I have been playing the best Pokemon game that is currently available for any console. That is indeed Pokemon Snap. What? Of course. Of course it is. I don't care. You can sit and argue till you're blue in the face which of the coloured Pokemon games is the best. You're wrong. It's Pokemon Snap. <laughs> Pokemon Snap was originally an N64 game. Oh yeah, I um, that. You travelled through seven or eight different little areas taking pictures of Pokemon that you either attracted or annoyed um, using either apples or certain little Pokeballs and uh, took pictures of them. Uh, you then show the pictures to Professor Oak um, at the end of your um, sort of run through the area. It's on rails, but you have sort of full control of turning around and um, taking pictures of the Pokemon themselves. And uh, it's just so much fun. Um, so at the minute, I am playing it with my son as he's become quite interested in Pokemon after playing Pokemon Go. And uh, so we're playing it. Now, I'll just go through this. Pokemon Snap is an N64 game. We are emulating it on the Wii Virtual Console, which is then being emulated through the Wii U. <laughs> so it's basically Emulator Inception. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, even he's... You know it's coming out on Wii U this week, though, right? It is, yeah. It's being released on <laughs> Thursday um, on the Virtual yeah. Console. Which will make it a little bit easier to get into, because I have to start up the Wii U, go into the Wii menu, and then go into the SD card where I've actually got the uh, the actual game saved. Uh, so yeah, that'll make it a little bit easier. I'm hoping it'll be, I think it was originally what seven ninety nine or thereabouts. So it'll be interesting to see what they price it at. In reality, oh, well, uh, my son um, just really enjoys playing it. Um, for him, he's maybe not getting all the Pokemon that appear, and uh, it's certainly a much smaller roster um, compared to the 150 original Pokemon. I think it's um, somewhere in the region of maybe 60-odd, um, if even that. Um, it ranges from like piggy, or Pidgeys to Jigglypuffs uh, to do duos um, and uh, just a wide range of other ones. The... Oh, it's just a lot of fun. Um, so as I say, as a what nearly four-year-old, he's uh, managing rightly with it and uh, playing it. Ideally, I'd love something a much bigger, expanded one um, that actually calls on um, a lot of the Pokémon that are obviously now available, and for each of the areas to be less linear, um, or at least the Pokémon not necessarily in the same place all the time. It would be a lot more interesting to have them appear at sort of more random events. Um, but yeah, um, as I say, if you've not played it, at least go and have a look at it on YouTube. It's daft, but it's just good fun. Have any of you played Pokemon Snap? No. I think I did once, briefly, <laughs> back in the N64 days, but I can't remember a lot about it. Oh, it's, it's as I say, it's, it's simple, it's daft, and yeah, it certainly doesn't have any of the depth um, or the RPG bits of a uh, normal Pokemon game, but it's just good fun, and considering the way Pokemon Go seems to be going, it's an awful lot easier to catch Pokemon in, or at least take pictures of them, 
I have been it is in Pokemon Go at the minute. I was out for a long walk today, nearly an hour, and I think I saw a Pidgey and an Oddish, and that was the only things that I saw. The good thing is that I was able to hit a number of Pokestops and actually get my number of Pokeballs back up, uh, nice. which is nice, but um, yeah, even some of the gyms and what have you around me are way out of my depth. Um, yeah, you're talking about yeah. like 2,000 odd um, Pokemon or combat mm-hmm. point Pokemon sitting in them, and I don't have a mission of getting anywhere near them. It was interesting to see that uh, Ryan, uh, one of our regular guests, had tweeted earlier saying that basically Pokemon Go has been ruled out for um, an awful lot of the casual players, um, unless they're just wanting to try and catch as many as they can, um, because certainly they're not going to go anywhere near a gym. You say that though, but there is a way, because if you know what to combat something with within reason, Mm -hmm. depending on the combat point difference, you can take down another Pokemon quite easily so if it's a water Pokemon and you've got a, an electric Pokemon it could be quite a hefty level above you but because you have got that advantage of being able to electrocute it you'll uh, you'll outpower it quite quickly mm. to an extent there are some way they'll just one hit you yeah um, so that's always something to bear in mind the one of the other games I've been playing this week is mini Metro on the PC this is a fun little transport management game. Um, It's not quite as in-depth as, say, something like um, I want to say City in Motion or um, sort of any of the Anno series. All you are doing is literally joining up um, coloured lines uh, to connect stations and making sure each of the stations is a different shape and so you have to try and arrange the lines that you've got um, in the most efficient and um, easiest manner for passengers to make to the station they, they want to go to with as few um, sort of lane or uh, line switches as possible. It's a really nice relaxed uh, little game. There's a nice bit of ambient music in the background and as each of the passengers come off and go onto the train um, there's just sort of a nice sort of little plinky plonk music in the background. Um, so it actually just makes it very relaxing um, to sit and play and it's just a really nice wee game. Um, mm. We had been sort of vaguely talking about it. Um, I think Lee had said that um, he had heard about it on a separate podcast. And it had been one that I'd had my eye on um, on Steam. It had been in early access for quite a while. And now that it's out of early access, the price has creeped up a little bit. I think it's, what, six ninety nine. Um, yes, yeah. Yeah, but I got it as part of a um, bundle or whenever it was on sale. Um, mm. So it did. So it's worth watching out for um, whenever it comes down in price. I say it's a really nice way of just spending maybe you could spend maybe twenty minutes, half an hour um, on each of the little cities. There's um, at least nearly a dozen, I think, cities. There's um, Paris, London, um, I think Moscow, Osaka, um, and a whole range Mon- of Montreal. Montreal, yeah. Yep. Um, the, which they all have uh, sort of the vague. Um, sort of ordnance survey sort of map um, just done in plain white with any of the rivers and things done in grey and uh, just you just manage the actual transit system itself but in a really nice simple way um, so yeah as a little puzzle game and um, just something to sit and play and while away a little bit of time it's lovely hmm. the other game I was playing was Refunct on the PC um, again I think it was just a I think it's one ninety nine at the minute and it was just a very quick game um, to sit and play, I think I was looking through my how long to beat um, list via Steam, and it was one that was maybe going to take about half an hour, forty minutes. So I stuck it on and sort of rattled through it. It's you start out in a small area with a number of columns around you, and on top of 
um, one of the columns there will be a button with a beam of light um, to make it easy to see. And basically you have to make it to the top of the column, touch the button, and then that will start a new set of columns rising up. Um, it's a little bit puzzly because you have to try and work out what's the best way of making it to the top of each of the columns. The graphics themselves are absolutely lovely for being quite a simple game. And uh, yeah, I rattled through that pretty quickly. Um, but it's just a nice little game to play, nice music and everything. As for the other one that I have been playing, my Sunday night was taken up by simulating a blowjob with an ice lolly, spanking <laughs> a naked man vigorously, and shooting condoms onto hard-ons using a sniper rifle. That's brilliant. <laughs> I was playing Radiator 2 on Steam. Radiator 2 is, as I pull it up on Steam here, Radiator 2 is a small threesome of experimental games about male sexuality. The three games are Hurt Me Plenty, Succulent and Stick Shift, uh, which are about punishing, eating and driving. These three, uh, these small short games attempt to expand eroticism in games beyond a cutscene and fade to black. What if sex in games was something we performed as players instead of something we obtained? What might sex mechanics actually look like? And how can we convey intimacy in games? That's what Radiator 2 tries to explore. They are an interesting little set of games, as I say. They're games is maybe a loose thing. It would technically be sort of the little mini-games that I'm sure other publishers um, try and avoid whenever they're trying to put sex or eroticism in the actual games themselves. Um, but the, uh, the graphics on them are as actually quite surprising, um, considering it's a free-to-play set of games. So it's a realistic and penis. Well, that's, I was just actually going to read out. Um, one of the questions on the Steam page is how much nudity is in this game? Uh, the answer was, it is possible to witness some bare butts and sometimes the characters are in their underwear, but otherwise there is no full frontal or anything. If this were a movie, it would be rated PG-13. <laughs> uh, one of the other questions was, will playing this game turn me gay? The answer was, yes. <laughs> uh, I'm just I didn't say that for the record. <laughs> The developer is Robert Yang, who is well known within the um, sort of industry or within the indie game circuit um, for mm. producing these little games. Certainly, Hurt Me Plenty got a little bit of news coverage and what have you whenever it was released, as did Stick Shift, um, which is basically about almost simulating masturbation on the gear stick of a car. <laughs> and um, just a really interesting little set of games that, as you know, it says in the description there, there are, he's trying to put into games what other publishers and other developers shy away from and I should be quite um, prudish about is probably the right way of putting it and um, so as I say free on uh, Steam so definitely worth a look if you want are inclined and want to see what other people are actually trying to do with games as mm. opposed to just the sort of standard shooty shooty bang bang games mm. yeah Check it out. Definitely looks different. I'm just looking at the page now. Yeah. Some of the reviews are brilliant. <laughs> yes. Like, <laughs> made me feel horny. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That's all you want from the game, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, Chief Engineer Adam Ducker. Stop eyeing up. Aye, a Captain. <laughs> Stop eyeing up Bahura and tell us what you've been playing. Well, it's been, I guess it's been a while since I've been on a game cast. <laughs> so I actually played a lot. Okay. Um, but I'm not going to talk about all of it. 
But then I've also briefly, it's like you guys are rubbing off on me, I became a lapsed gamer for like a month. <laughs> um, just, I guess, off air, we've talked about how I've been doing two jobs at once at work, which officially ended today. Um, but I've realised how easy it is to just slip into it and just stop playing games completely. Because there's so many nights I've just come home and been too tired to even bother mm. firing anything up. And I guess when you've like got kids and stuff, I mean, Ali always says how much time his kids take up and whatnot. I can just imagine how you come home and then it's just the last thing you think about. Um, I don't even get home from work that late some nights, but I've still just not bothered at all. It took me nearly a month to finish Doom, for example, mm. which would which I normally would have blasted through in like a week or something or a weekend. Um, but yeah, so it happens to the best of us. And it's not helped my uh, race to 100 challenge. I'm at 49, and we're halfway through August. So I'm probably not going to hit 100 unless I start playing short games like Radiator 2. <laughs> <laughs> they so all count. I guess the. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they all count. Um, so I've been playing Doom, which I'm not sure if we got talked about on the show before. I think it has um, a bit, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Um, it's a brilliant game. It's up there with my games of the year so far. They did a cracking job of bringing it to bringing like the Doom aesthetic and the Doom gameplay principles, but with a modern sheen, like both graphically and gameplay-wise. Mm. I was a bit worried how they would manage to transition in like the speed and the pace of it and the relatively simple gameplay, but they definitely managed to do it. Um, adding cool stuff like the combos. But the best bit has got to be the actual story um, that they built around everything. How they made the Doom guy an asshole. He just likes <laughs> to smash everything. Um, so I hope we get more single player Doom stuff. I don't know if we'll see DLC or a sequel. I uh, think there is yeah. room with some DLC, isn't There's there? There's multiplayer given DLC. The way that game some ends, uh, uh, yeah, given the way that game ends, I'm pretty sure there is going to be some more storyline DLC. Mm. Okay, well that's good, because they definitely need to do more. Um, play Telltale's Batman, which I beat. Um, it's, a it's a Telltale game, we've talked a lot about <laughs> them recently because of the Wolf Among Us game cast and stuff. Um, there, there is some interesting changes I did notice. Um, you can't fail at combat anymore. No. And apparently one of the reasons was is they didn't want Batman to look like he was inept or weak, because that's not what... Batman looks like and seems as we're in a mid-career Batman here who's like grizzled and been through a lot of stuff already it's not like an origin story um, they didn't want to see him getting killed and stuff or getting injured so when you fail a move in combat I just guess it means the combat lasts longer in some instances until you fill up that meter and you can do the finish me thing but then other times I noticed you fail things and it'll still just do them anyway there was a couple, a bit where you grappled some enemies and with a hook, and I failed it, and it still managed to hook them up. So I was like, okay. yeah, whether it does something different if you if you nail it, maybe yeah, could look slightly know. different. Um, one thing I noticed about this one that was a bit different as well: there's a lot less walking around than there's been in other Telltale yeah. games. There's yeah. the one scene where you're investigating like a murder, which is really cool because you're um, drawing lines across the room and linking bits of the crime scene to try and put the crime together. But other than that, there's not really any sections where you're walking around. It starts with an action scene, then there's like prolonged talking scenes, but none of it you're walking between the characters. The game's just taking yeah. you from conversation to conversation. Um, yeah, it works well. 
Yeah, um, I thought decided. the engine smoothed out a little bit. It's still quite janky, but yeah. the, I felt it felt smoother. Yeah, and it's like they've. Yeah. yeah, I guess maybe not having to move away from those because a lot of the jank went when it was going from the cutscene bits to the walking around bits. It was sometimes stuttering. I guess just doing away with them helps yeah. them in that regard. It's interesting though. They've like definitely. This is the most extreme example of them double downing on the story and quick time version of it like they've done there's no puzzles this time except for that crime scene that's about yeah. it yeah there's um a scene where you put together how you're going to infiltrate a building but you can't fail it exactly you just it's, it's still the same you're still picking between choices mm. on how you're going to get into a building um mm. but i'm interested to see where they go to the story they have added a few little twists um bruce yeah. being yeah. slightly politicized and stuff um so it'll be interesting to see where it goes and the, the cool feature they've got on it is the thing called Batman Unmasked, which Greg Miller from Kind of Funny presents. And it's just like each week they're going to do a bit like how the Walking Dead TV series has the Talking Dead. It's kind of going to be a similar thing to that, where they talk about the episodes and look at the choices people made and stuff. So that's pretty cool. Um, mm. You can watch it on their YouTube channel, or it's also available like through the game as like a menu option. Oh, that's cool. So the first episode's yeah. already up, and it's about the making of it. And then I guess just before episode two comes out, they'll do another episode where they look at the choices people made and like they talk to the developers and ask them what they were thinking and stuff. Um, so yeah, it's definitely worth it if you're interested. It does. It's like a evolution of that Telltale model. Mm, as I've said before, I'm going to wait till the whole season's out and then play yeah. it at my own pace. Well, some people prefer that. I can mm. get that. Um, the next game I would not recommend to a lapsed gamer or an active gamer. Or it was anyone. that garbage? <laughs> or anyone? I wouldn't recommend watching it. Certainly, <laughs> some people did. Yeah, it's called I The did. Path, <laughs> which I, um, I guess, I'm trying to promote our Twitch channel a bit. So I did a complete game through gameplay walkthrough of the park and it's horrific <laughs> yeah i'm pretty sure at one point we had negative viewers <laughs> yep <laughs> that wouldn't surprise me uh so it's one of these they've become kind of ten a penny it's one of these first person narrative experiences uh no combat or anything very few collectibles even and you're walking through a theme park that's abandoned which sounds pretty cool and atmosphere like it could be creepy and atmospheric but it's not all there's like one jump scare that might catch you out. Um, you play a mother who's lost her child. Um, again, before when we were talking about um, different game types that aren't explored, there's a hint of some mental health issues going on. Um, you walk through the park, you get to you all to get a flashlight so you can go into like a haunted house. And then possibly the laziest level design I've ever seen. So for about half an hour, you walk through the same five rooms <laughs> but each so you'll get to the end you'll go down some stairs through a door and it's reset back to the first room and every there'll be slight things that have changed like there's a picture by a child then when you go through the second time it'll be written like mummy left then when you go through the third time it's scribbled it's scribbled out completely then when you go through the fourth time it's ripped in half then when you go through the fifth time it's ripped into a million bits and it's like oh there's a fridge with like food that rots and you're just walking through and walking through and I started thinking like I was like maybe the game doesn't end maybe we're just going to keep walking through <laughs> eventually it comes to an end it's not satisfying uh, the only reason you may want to play it is if you're an achievement junkie and you want a light chase because it's an easier thousand points hmm. but don't play it <laughs> would be my tip not even it only takes an hour and a half to finish 
Uh, next up is, I think, Stuart. You might have recommended this one somewhere. Maybe in our Twitter chat. It's called There Is No Game. Yeah, that was our um, lunchtime game of the week. Um, I think, what, that one or two it. episodes ago? Mm. Okay. So I played that. That is a lot of fun. If you, <laughs> yeah, it is. It definitely <laughs> plays to that Stanley Parable um, notion of like this narrator who knows things that you don't know and you're meant to be following his instructions, but you kind of don't. Mm-hmm. Um so it's just like a blank screen and then things come up like the words come up and you tap the words to start destroying the game um, a really cool bit where you have to like unscrew the f- title card off the game and pretend like you're screwing some screws yes. I guess it's really short you can do finish it in probably 10 minutes yep. but it's a lot of fun um, and it goes down as a beaten game on my list it does it's the, it's, it was. it's the perfect platform on mobile and as you say it's a very Stanley Parable-esque um, little game sort of um, you can obviously see where there's the influence and everything there and uh, yeah and for, the guy's voice is funny yeah for, for a very quick sort of 10, uh, 10 minute game it's lovely and uh, yeah definitely worth your time I'm downloading it now <laughs> <laughs> do it Next up is a short game that I would not recommend. Uh, Dead Island Retro Revenge. So, it's available on Xbox One. I think I'm assuming it's Steam. on PS4 as well. Steam, Steam as well, yeah. Yeah. So it cost me $4.99 in dollars. And what I thought it was going to be was a Dead Island game styled like a Final Fight game. What I didn't realise is it's actually a laned base endless runner, almost. Oh. <laughs> um... So you've got some character in the Dead Island world who's just running. You can change between three lanes. You're running and you're hitting zombies. Um, what's that game that the Pokemon people came out? Harmony Night or something? Or on 3DS? Um, oh, that's going to annoy me. I think it was Harmony Night or something. Or Harmony Night. Harmony Quest, maybe? Anyway. Um, so it's got like combat, but it's rhythm-based. So as you're charging towards the zombies, like little stars will appear in them, and when the stars like at its brightest is when you should be hitting. Um, you just keep running. Eventually, at some point, you end a level. It gives you a score, and then you just go to the next level. Uh, it's really horrendous. boring. So it's like it's not shit. fun. So it's like a shit version of Amplitude, then. Yeah, it's just shit. <laughs> 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 shit version of any game. Uh, there's countless endless runners that are bad on phones that are free. Um, and there's countless better game rhythm games that do interesting things with mixing rhythm with combat. The rhythm's not in time to any of the music or anything or any sound cues. It's horrific. Um, and then the final game that I'm going to talk about today is Gears of War 3. Um, I didn't own a 360, so I've never played the Gears of War game. So I've slowly been working my way through them to get ready for Gears of War 4. And I'm up to Gears of War 3. And it's alright. Like, it's interesting what's essentially just a dumb shooter, mm. how far they kind of take the story stuff. Yeah. There's lots of those moments that I guess like the Uncharted games get a lot of praise for where it stops the action and kind of reminisces on these characters' experiences as they've been in this endless war or like... Um, there's the character I forget what he's called oh Coltrane who's the American kind of the American footballer Mm. and they go back to the stadium and he has like a little scene where he reminisces about his times as like a star player and it's just interesting how people hold Uncharted up as that kind of 
model for those quiet moments but Gears of War was probably doing it as well and mm-hmm. it wasn't just a dumb shooter that people cover based shooter and stuff that people gave it credit for being but there's more to it than that well um, it's the best example of a third yeah. person cover shooter yeah there's yeah. that as well Yeah, mm-hmm. so perhaps it gets credit for that following. because it's the best in class of that sort of thing or something yeah. maybe it's to the detriment of a lot of the other stuff it seems to be doing really well um, so I didn't enjoy the first Gears of War that much because I don't think it's aged particularly well. Two was okay, mm. but three I definitely think is a lot of fun. Yes. Um, so I'm like halfway through that, I'm definitely going to crack on with it and finish it. Um, ready for Gears of War four? Yeah, Gears of War. 3, Gears of War is the best series for that sort of game, and Gears of War three is the best game in that series, in my opinion. I've actually got the uh, special edition of that, the, the one that came in like a really nice plush like metal case and inside there's like a cog metal uh, belonging to um, have you come across Adam Phoenix? I don't know if I'm dropping any spoilers by saying that <laughs> no, I know I know who he is I you haven't come across him yet okay, yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah. and that um, the uh, it's Blitzball isn't it I think it's called yeah that's Blitzball. what it's called yeah. 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 the Blitzball yeah. arena is actually one of the best um, horde mode arenas in any of the uh the Gears of War games, like that's that's oh, okay. an incredible multiplayer arena for that mode, and uh, Gears Three added in the um, Beast mode as well, where it's like Horde mode, yeah. but you play as the Locust, mm-hmm. and that was great. I might try. One of my friends says there's still pretty active online player base, so once I've done mm. the single player, I might give it a quick bash. Yeah, um, yeah. is only... that one backwards compatibility as well? So yeah, yes. Yeah. Amped up a little bit since since that, and people yeah. getting ready for. Uh, number four because there's a massive cult following for, for the pretty, Gears of War franchise pretty much every a lot of people have got Gears of War game uh, 3 for free because it was a games with gold at one point and then if you bought that ah. ultimate edition of the, the remaster of the first game they gave you free digital codes for oh. the old Gears of War games oh. um, it's a pretty good deal so I reckon that's helped the player base along with those hardcore guys that were still playing it from back in the day which I'm sure there's plenty of them yeah. Uh, so yeah that's all I've been playing despite claiming I'm a become a lapsed <laughs> game I'm still fitting quite a bit um, so yeah that's me done cool. cheers okay so um, Uhura if you could stop chatting up Klingons on the communications do you want to tell us what you've been playing kuh <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if that's actual Klingon. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, in our luck, he'll have said something offensive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah let, let us send in to the usual, just at Count Fosco, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've just a couple of games, well, actually three games. Um, I'm going to continue the Doom Loving, um, completed that, and it is basically a lapse game as Wet Dream. It is the control system simple. Um, I can everything that Adam and Lauren in the last podcast have said. It is it is just amazing speed of it, the simplicity of it, the way you um, get your health back, the way you get your ammo. I really did enjoy it. The levels themselves are expansive. It can get a bit hectic at times, and so you are bouncing around and trying to dodge all the imps and the bigger demons and everything and but 
overall it's one of the best games of the year and highly highly recommended so that was the what difficulty game. did you play it on by the way I just played it on easy I just wanted to play it through and enjoy mm, the story because okay. I played it on medium and it got pretty tough towards the end mm. where I began to regret that I was playing it on medium <laughs> yeah. I think the toughest one was that cyber demon the first yes. main, but he, he was the toughest one the ones after that were a piece of piss yeah, really. it did, and even the final boss was easier yeah. by comparison. Yeah, yeah. you're right. But I, was I did pick up the uh, the demo when they released that, and I have to say it wet my appetite quite a bit. Mm. Um, yeah, like just finding time to slot it into my current gaming schedule mm. to to play that one. But it's definitely on the list to get done this year at some point. Yeah, it's just a weird one what they do with the marketing because they give away the multiplayer first, and. You know, the multiplayer, I just have had, I had a couple of games, it's nothing special, nothing there, but the single player is really, really good, and I don't know why they didn't promote that a bit, bit more. But Yeah, I, I got the, uh, either it was either open beta or I got a code for it, for the multiplayer when that came out, yeah. and I thought, nah, I'm not playing this, it's, it's shit, mm. if I was honest. It's nice being in the Doom environment, but I haven't got a clear what's going on, and people rocket jumping everywhere and, and all that, but I'm glad they did the single player one, because I... Gave me a different light to the game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then I decided to go through the old catalogue on the PS4 and just have a look at some of these games where I've just downloaded to the library and just haven't got around to playing. So these two are PS Plus games. First one was something called A Ruse Awakening. Um, it's a side on platformer and you are a warrior for the dawn god and you have to f- fight something else I can't remember um, the artwork is really good the graphics are good um, however very very fiddly controls um, you were like you had to sort of boost yourself through and you had to press L1 to do that for now one to turn into a ball and R2 to teleport and to defeat bad guys you seem to have to teleport into the middle of them and it was just so fiddly I think I played about three levels and I just got fed up of it um, so it's got a high difficulty the controls aren't that tight so you tend to die a lot and I just went nah no, I'm not enjoying this at all so it's, that's not one I'd recommend but the one I did really enjoy and I just completed it today was um, Apophenon on the PS4. Now this is an action role-playing game where you play the role of a guy called Nicodemus uh, who has got the help of Hera who takes down the gods. Now if it seems familiar, he's not as angry as Kratos. <laughs> yeah. But what's amazing about this game, what really attracted to me was the art style and it's done in the Greek pottery art style. Um, it's fast, um, it's quite brutal, there's blood everywhere. Um, the controls itself is, is a bit floaty, um, it's a side-on platformer, and, but you've got a number of different weapons, so you can use swords, spears, bows, etc. Um, and what's interesting about these is if you, for example, I was fighting Zeus towards the end as a giant and he had a spear. But if you get within the, within 
his spear range he can't use his spear against you but you were able to use your sword so you're able to so if you're able to get within the range of inside the range of the weapons the weapons of the bad guys become use, useless vice versa if the bad guys or your enemies get in come within the range of yours it's best to change weapons either from a spear to a sword something that has got a shorter range it, it, some of the graphics, some of the EA can, when I say describe it as floaty, you, some of the finishing moves by the gods when they get you would send you flying and send you coming down from Olympus down to Earth. The story isn't one, it's just a simple revenge one. The voice acting's quite hilarious because it seems to be people from Yorkshire and England playing the Greek gods. But overall, it's it took me about eight hours or so i really did enjoy it and i've completed it and it's one i'd recommend if you are a fan of these type of um platformer games and what i'd say is if you're not sure go to the um Laps gamer twitch um i believe it's the archives yeah you'll see doom and apophenon there Take a look at it, really good. I tried this out when it first came out on PS Plus. Um, I think I only played it for about 15-20 minutes or so, but didn't get on with it. But I, I love the way it looks, so mm. I might have to go back and try it again at some point. Yeah, it was the art style that um, really grasped you. And it's the way they use the art style in different levels, so the colours will change. I mean, um, one of the ways is that if you're fighting in Hades, you need a torch because it's so dark. So you can't use your shield. So you need a torch active all the time. And what I forgot to mention was the interesting boss battles. So if one of the ones you gods you fight is Artemis. Now Artemis is a hunter. So what happens is you hunt um, him first of all. And he, then all of a sudden when he hits three points around the level, the, you change into a deer and he chases after you. You have to get to these three points around the level, activate them, and it swaps around again. So there's, there's little interesting things we've done with the various with various boss battles. I mean, you'll see on the Twitch feed, I fought Ares, and he was one where you have to hit him with blood. And only when you hit him with the blood is he vulnerable. Okay then, Dr. Cornwall, do you want to tell us what you've been playing while we've been stuck up here in space? Well, that's just typical. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, I'm kind of replicating a lot of people's games at the minute. Uh, so I've been playing the Telltale Batman game. Uh, massive Batman fan. Um, and uh, decided to buy the, the season pass for that and play it as we go. Um, and yeah, like we've alluded to before, it's pretty good. Uh, the engine seems a bit smoother. Um, still got his janks. I think there's a bit where... Um, uh, Bruce Wayne I think it is at the times walking around as if he hasn't got any kneecaps um, so I think he's got his skinny jeans on that day and he can't physically bend his legs um, but other than that yeah, it's, it's good uh, there's, there's, it's quite combat heavy they've changed the combat system a little bit or added more to it and there's a, a special power up version um, not managed to try the um, the multiplayer aspect which was apparently thousands of people and it's dwindled down to 12 um, where you give people a code to your game um, and they can download an app and then they can make the decision I presume it's within a certain time frame uh, and then that goes with the majority which could be quite interesting to do on Twitch um, we possibly might have to go to Beam to do that so you get the uh, the less uh, delay on the stream 
Um, but it could be interesting to get uh, Laps Gamer do Batman or something at some point when we've all got it. Um, but yeah, so yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, been playing a bit of Forza 6 because uh, I uh, love my racing games. Um, and unfortunately, a little rant for you all. Um, so they've recently done the, the Forza Racing Championship. Forza RC online um, and it's sponsored uh, by Ford, Logitech and Michelin so you would have thought it'd be a, a pretty decent uh, uh, series that they're doing and they've got different leagues and different cars that you're racing and they've got qualifying events and you can win um, all sorts of stuff and the special rules that you've got to adhere to uh, you can win Xbox goodies you can win a free game in the car a free game in the car, free car in the game um, loads and loads of stuff and it's broken to shit um, so one of the races for example um, a qualifying event is you're in a Ford Mustang everyone's in the same so whoever goes on to it you go to rivals mode and you select this race uh, and it's around Monza which is a pretty nice track although it's got two horrendous chicanes in it for anybody that's uh, raced on it um, so you have to slow down a fair bit um, but for some reason in uh, the Forza game it's not been fixed since day one fuck it you can just cut a corner um, you don't get okay. any no penalisation for it or anything not even a flag on your time so it's not even classed as a dirty lap um, and I think you can do that a couple of times throughout the course there's one particular area where you can cut a hefty bit and normally you'd have to slow down depending on the car second third gear um, so you're going fairly slow for those kind of cars um, and you just blitz through it um, and these are people, um, I won't call out any any names that are doing it, but people are seeing that other people are doing it on the replay on the rivals and then copying it. Um, and at the minute, Forza haven't had a, a response to that. Now, to me, that's cheating. Um, for anybody that's listening that isn't a racing car fan, uh, on a track, you have two white lines, one either side of the track, which show track limits. If all four wheels go over that, you're outside the track. Therefore, it's a, a, a invalid lap. There's a massive thing going on for anybody that watches F1 at the minute about track limits. Um, and this you can just completely bollocks to the corner and I'll just go flat out straight through it. Um, and obviously when you're uh, fluctuating your speed so much, that's where you lose your time. Um, and at the minute they've not done anything about it, which sucks. Um, so you spend all your time trying to get a nice clean lap and think you've got a good one. Uh, and then you look at someone's time that's like 20 seconds quicker than you. And you're like, all oh, right, that's because you can't drive around the track. And you would have thought for an official racing championship, and I think it's the first time Forza's done anything like this, that they would either disqualify all those people, and it does say it in their rules that they will do it, but I haven't seen it happen yet. But you would have thought they'd just disqualify them or say, right, we're now putting in a patch, and it, I would have thought it'd be fairly easy to do. But uh, it's a little bit disappointing, because there's several different races you can do. Um, you can take a... Ford Focus RS, they're all Ford cars for the first bit, uh, around uh, Lime Rock, which is quite nice. Um, you can take a Ford Raptor around Laguna Seca. Uh, but after I found this out, I just gave up and thought, well, what's the point? I'm not going to get, I'm not going to cheat. Uh, there's a lot of variant opinions of what you can and can't do, uh, or what people believe should be right, because some people are saying, well, if it's there and you can do it in the game, then you can do it. It's like, well... Yeah, you could probably do other things. You could probably do it in reverse if you want, but you're not going to do it. Uh, so yeah, it's very, very disappointing because it's stopping honest gamers, if you like. This goes back to conversations we're ideally in the in the uh, podcast that yeah, it's, it's stopping those honest people that want to to ride, race the tracks properly and things from doing it 
properly as if they are racing drivers because it is a simulation racing game. Um, I guess yeah. well, there must come a point, mustn't there, where there's more people doing than there isn't. So people oh. that wouldn't normally do it kind of get pushed to their limit and think, well, if I want to be competitive, I've got to do it. So they almost yeah. have to do it through necessity. Yeah, pretty much. Um, personally, I'm I'm not bothered about free stuff. They can swivel. I'm not I'm not snooping to other people's levels because they found that. Yeah. Um, I mean, Forza's got a reputation of having sticky grass, where the minute you touch the grass, it slows you right down. So I don't understand why they can't put that in. But yeah, disappointing, mm. especially when there's actual decent prizes on the line that Microsoft are, uh, are putting up. Um, and Logitech as well. You can win prizes from them. Um, weekly, it says here, week, uh, the weekly prizes include an Xbox One S controller, uh, Xbox Elite controllers, Logitech wheels, and more. Um, as an ad bonus, everyone who posts a time uh, in the weekly Forza RC Rivals qualifier uh, will be sent a special bonus car, uh, the 1973 Ford uh, Escort um, 1600. A uh, special bonus car will be for, and it's got different liveries and, and whatnot. So even if you put a time on, you're getting something. But when you've got prizes at that that are at stake to that extent, you would have thought they would be quite stringent on the rules or just not use that track. Mm. If they know it's broken, use a different track. But, okay, that's my rant about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, other than that, I've uh, been playing a bit more of The Division. Got back into that since the Underground DLC is now released on PS4 as well, I think. Um, as we said earlier, brought the the whole shebang edition of that when it came out. Um, quite a few people tailed off from it uh, once the the original game was kind of done. They did do the free a uh, couple of extra bits. Um, yeah, rubbish. But they, yeah, and and, and the, the difficulty level seemed to shoot up. I tried to go back the other day. Now I've got some green items, like the really good items. I don't know why they're green because that makes no sense in any RPG world. Um, but uh, yeah, my my ranking's close to 200, if not over 200 now. My gear ranking went back to do a one of the original extra DLC bits, and I still can't do it. It's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, the underground stuff's really good. Um, there's a lot of um, extra bits you can do to it. You can kind of plan your own mission, and then you can, as you rank up through it, because you get like a leveling through it, um, you can actually tweak the mission how you want it to be in terms of difficulty. Um, and then you can add more smoke into a room and things like that so it's harder to see and you get more rewards from it um, and it's up to the, the lobby host to do that so it's, it's actually really good uh, they've added a lot more missions randomly around as well um, that was before I even downloaded the, the update um, so I think they've added some extra stuff in for people that haven't got the DLC um, and getting, I presume not the best but I am getting a few more of those newer lime green items um, so it's worth a punt if anybody's got it anybody's got it on the xbox one hit me up and uh, we'll do a bit of partying up it's it's all right it's nice to be back in it uh and feels feels a bit refreshed that's what it needed desperately tempted but yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> um still plucking away on uncharted 4 um i really want to finish it but as i've said in past couple of episodes now that it's just the combat frustrates me a little bit um, I've been trying to get one of the trophies for doing all the um, online multiplayer bits on I think it's moderate you have to do it on uh, which is interesting um, it's like a little online scenario although 
it's local and you have to heal so many people and get a certain score up to get uh, the the pass on that mission um, which is interesting it's a little bit different on the game uh, and then obviously trying to complete the single player um, so yeah have you put the lock on, on I'm not sure I know you've mentioned that before like the auto aim yeah kind of it thingy. makes it so much more bearable I might have to look at that because it's some of it's just horrendous especially with the the elevation changes which is good in a normal game where it's the, the shooting controls are a, a little bit more stable and you can aim better um, but yeah it's just really hard when you've got guys everywhere and if you fail doing it stealthily you just fucked <laughs> yeah I stuck the uh, snap on uh, the auto aim on right at the beginning of the game and haven't ever wanted to take it off to be honest I don't play that game for the combat and I want to get through the combat sequences as quickly as possible so the auto aim just makes it a breeze yeah yeah I'll have to have a, have a, a look at that one uh, and then finally, which uh, I know you've been playing quite a lot, Mark, is uh, No Man's Sky. Yeah. Um, I'm mixed feelings about it right now. Um, but uh, yeah, if we've got time, we'll delve into this. Or if not, it might be another another podcast. It's well worth picking up. Um, uh, at this stage, I'm not sure if it's worth £40. Mm. Um, it's definitely a time sink game. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll just sit there on a planet for ages jumping from little settlements and harvesting things and recently found out you can actually feed some of the animals on the on the planets which is quite cool <laughs> and they dig up random stuff for you um so it's a really good game uh, yeah i don't know 14 was it 18 quid billion different possibilities 18 quintillion it's quintillion there yeah. you go fuck me well uh yeah i don't think so but well i'll, I'll bang through uh, my the, the, two of the games of been playing and then we'll have a little chat about No Man's Sky. Um, so first of all uh, I've jumped back onto Polybridge um, on uh, Steam. Uh, I've got Steam running on, on my Mac and uh, started downloading some of the games that will run on it which it turns out is most of my games library will actually run on the Mac which is quite good. Uh, so I've talked about Polybridge before. It's it's um, a simple little bridge building uh, game where so you have like a 2D drawing like on graph paper and you draw a bridge out of particular materials and hit the space bar and then vehicles will drive across it and sometimes you'll need to make the bridge articulated so that it'll lift up um, so that a uh, boat can get underneath it and then it'll go back down so the vehicles can go back across. Um, it's just a really really fun little game. It's um, It should be frustr- like difficult to the point of frustrating. But the fact that it's like, you know, cutesy, cartoony graphics, like, uh, and this lovely sort of, like, um, nylon string guitar soundtrack. Uh, I like the soundtrack so much, actually, that, um, that I ended up buying it off uh, Bandcamp. There's a fella named uh, Adrian Talons who did all the soundtrack for it. It's, it's literally just nylon string guitars and the occasional tambourine. Lovely little soundtrack. And a combination of that and the fact that when you, you spend ages building a bridge, hit the space bar, and then the bridge will either collapse before anything can even get onto it, or a car will get halfway across and then the bridge collapses and the cars sink into the water, or you'll get a vehicle across, the bridge will lift up, then the boat comes in and knocks the bridge down. It should be frustrating, but it's hilarious, uh, and it's an oddly relaxing game to play for something that's quite a difficult physics simulator. Um, 
you go between building um, bridges of like increasing difficulty. Sometimes it's just a flat bridge where you've got to get vehicles across. Sometimes there'll be inclination changes. Sometimes you've got to make the bridge so that the boat can get underneath it as well, or it lifts up so the boat can get underneath it, or a bridge where cars will go onto it and stop, and the bridge has to lift up so they can change elevation. Sometimes you don't even build a bridge. You need to build like a ramp. That means that the car will like go down a, an incline up the ramp and jump the river um, really really fun little game i think it's like six or seven pounds or something like that on steam um, really really fun I, I highly recommend that um, the next game i've been playing uh is overcooked which is the new couch co-op well you can play it on your own but it's it's not as much fun as it is playing couch co-op um, it's the new game by Team17, the guys behind the, the Worm series, and I don't know any other games they've made, to be honest. I'm sure they've made other games as well. Um, but basically, it is a sort of like... Um, <laughs> the premise of it is, in the Onion Kingdom, uh, a monstrosity called the Beast, which is this giant thing made of spaghetti and meatballs, turns up and starts destroying the world. Uh, and you have to start feeding it um, by making uh, the, the, the intro level is making salads. So, you and your teammates uh, of up to three other people. Um, you can only play it locally, carp. Unfortunately, there's no mul there's no online multiplayer, which is annoying. Like grabbing ingredients, chopping them, dishing them up, and serving them. Uh, you can't actually satisfy the beast. So the Onion King decides to send you back to 1993 to learn how to become a proficient chef. So that when you get back to that point in the future, you can actually stop the world ending. And then, so you go through a series of like progressively difficult levels, trying to fill these orders. Um, so, like making burgers, so you've got to like chop and fry some uh, meat patties and like lettuce and tomatoes and buns, and then put them together to serve them up quickly, um, so that you don't fail your orders. Or making like uh, various soups or fish and chips and pizzas and burritos and things like that. Um, in these ingeniously designed levels that are designed to screw you over as much as possible. So uh, one of the ones that's, that's really, really fun but really difficult is uh, you'll be on... Uh, there'll be two lorries side by side on the motorway. And like half of your kitchen instruments are on one lorry and half of them on the other lorry. And then every now and then the lorries will drift apart so that you can't get to each other or if you're both on one part and you've left a pot of soup on the, the hob on the other one it'll go away overcook catch fire and you've got to wait for it to come back put the fire out throw the soup out start again all the while these orders are coming in and there's a timer ticking down on them it's the most chaotic like ridiculous fun um couch co-op game like the most fun i've, I've had playing a couch co-op game in in a long long time um it's just a shame that it doesn't work online uh because these days it's, it's kind of hard. Like I've played uh, a, a good few games um, with my girlfriend. I've ended up recording footage for most of the campaign, and it's just sitting on my PS4. And I've just got to edit some of it together and, and upload it to the YouTube uh, channel. But the, the most fun that I've seen from like Let's Play videos is when you've got four people together. But you know, for, for people like us, it's difficult to get four people together in a room. Uh, to play a couch co-op game, whereas if you could play it online, it would be perfect. Maybe it's something they'll patch in later because you know you can play Worms games online. But um, yeah, uh, I really, really, really like that game. Um, I just wish that I could play it with with three other people instead of for just one other person. Uh, I guess we better we talk a little bit more about No Man's Sky then. So 
everyone else oh, no. can sit back for a while. Okay, so <laughs> <clears throat> No Man's Sky. <clears throat> I've been talking about this game for a while. I've been saying about how it's one of my most anticipated games um, of this year. Um, been highly anticipated for a number of years, actually, since it was first announced back in 2000, end of 2013, I think, or, or 2014. Um, it's been a good two or three years since we first heard about it. Uh, it's been floating around. People have had lots of questions about the game, what it is, uh, what do you do, is there a game or is it just exploration? Um, Sean Murray and the guys over at Hello Games have done their best to try and explain what it is whilst also trying to temper expectations, but given the fact that this is a an, an indie game made by 12 people, like if you go onto the, the, the credits for the game, Hello Games segment of it takes up one page. And there is, I think it's 12 people in total who worked on the game. And then there's four pages of Sony representatives, marketing, localization, etc., etc. Like, um, the Sony marketing machine pushed this game into the forefront, marketed it like it was a AAA game. Um, and given the nature that it's like this gigantic, procedurally generated universe of 18 and a half quintillion planets. And you hear all these numbers saying, oh, if you stopped on every single planet for a second, our sun would die out before you could visit every planet in the game, and so on and so forth. Um, it's become a little bit of a victim of maybe not so much its own hype, because I don't think Hello Games would try to overhype it too much, but people have created expectations for the game that it was never going to meet, because it's made by 11 people, 11 or 12 people. Um, it's just it's it's a first person um, exploration survival mining uh, resource management and trading game you start off on a on a on a random planet with your crashed ship you uh, amass the materials you need to repair the ship and then you start traveling between the different planets you meet so uh, there's four different sentient um, species that you can uh, speak to and trade with and um, pass speech checks with uh, and you find these little monoliths that will teach you uh, each time you find one you'll learn a different word in each of these species languages so you, you st slowly start to understand them a little bit more there's a very at the point I'm in in the game and I'm like 20 hours in um, there's, there's still like a very very loose storyline um, there are pointers leading to me towards a storyline but I've been enjoying just exploring and going off and doing my own thing that I haven't even reached any of the story points properly yet um, <clears throat> it's it's really it's a difficult game to talk about. Uh, I really really like it. I'm thoroughly enjoying playing it. Like I've sunk about twenty hours in. Um, a lot of people haven't liked it. Uh, uh, there have been issues. Like Jim Sterling gave the game a five out of ten because he didn't like it, um, which led to some of the more rabid elements of the No Man's Sky <laughs> fan base DDoS attacking his website for a while which was just pathetic um, it's a, it's going to be one of those very div divisive games um, some people are going to hate it other people are going to love it I don't think there's going to be that many people who just you know think it's it's, it's, like, it's like a Marmite game really if you like that sort of like meditative sort of relaxing um 
you know, basic, it's not really a, like uh, intense survival. You're never in too much danger, at least at the, the, any, any of the planets I've gone to so far. Some of them you'll land on and the environment will be particularly hostile and the sentinels, the sort of like protective robot species on the planets will be particularly aggressive or there'll be some very nasty life forms on there. But on the whole, it's quite an easy, relaxing game. Um, it, you could describe it as being very repetitive. It probably is very repetitive in a lot of things you do because you have to go down onto these planets and hunt for particular materials and then mine lots of that material in order to build the upgrade. You need to be able to go further into the into the universe. Um, it's yeah. Some people are going to hate it. Some people are going to love it. It personally, it's the sort of game that I I don't really have in my gaming catalogue. Um, apart from maybe something like Minecraft. It is the perfect podcast game, I'll say that. It's the perfect game for just like st stick on you know a few episodes of a podcast to catch up on and just sit back and relax and enjoy the game for what it is. Um, most of the planets I've been to have been you know pretty unimpressive or they've been quite similar to other planets I've been to but then every now and then I'll you'll go you'll warp into a new system and there'll be these really impressive planets with like crazy geology and like lush rainforests and some really interesting looking um, wildlife and interesting looking plants um, we uh, well thanks to, to Ali recently found uh, a post on reddit that pointed out that like um, you have different types of stars in the galactic map um, and you need a particular need to upgrade your warp drive to be able to get to those particular stars um, which people knew from looking at the galactic map but then what people have found out is that when you go to those 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 rarer stars those harder to reach stars there's more chance of you getting like a, a tropical or a lush planet with more wildlife and more chance of finding rare materials um, I think it's one we'll probably need to come back to and talk about a little bit more once um, me and, and Ali and I know um, Stuart Cullen's playing it as well for uh, reviewing it for the for his paper. Um, once we played a little bit more and discovered maybe a little bit about the storyline, then we can come back and talk about it a bit more. Yeah, I mean I know that it's probably worth mentioning now that it's had a very shocking release on the PC. Oh God, yeah. Uh, which which seems to be an issue with. A lot of games these days, um, mm -hmm. for whatever reason, it, it could be Sony's fault that they pushed Hello Games in a certain direction that it's got to work really well on the, the PlayStation, and maybe because Sony gave them loads of money, they had to make sure it it worked the best it could do, mm -hmm. uh, given the time given on, on there. Uh, but unfortunately, it's fallen victim to another one of those games that is completely shocking on the PC mm. uh, as it stands and I think they are giving refunds and things uh, but, but my, my take on the game is a lot of people are like I don't understand it and I think to an extent you've got to um, you've got to have either enough um, interest in space space travel what else is out there and that kind of thing to even entertain the game if you're not really bothered about leaving your postcode let alone going on holiday to another country it's probably not going to be the game for you because it's all about traveling to see what else is out there yeah um, not saying that if you don't travel to i don't know spain or whatever then you won't like the game but if you're not even interested in are there other life forms outside of our planet and you know is there something on the dark side of the moon and blah 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 
this, this game isn't going to be for you because that's basically what it is. It's like you living your own Star Trek life, hence the, the intro to the to the show. Mm. Um, that's what you are doing. You're exploring what else is possibly out there. Um, and like you say, maybe some of it's been oversold a little bit, but it's so relaxing. Um, and, and I really enjoy it. Um, a lot of people are, are slating it. Oh, I've already got to the centre of the universe and there's loads of those gifts with Jay on it out of in between and saying oh no one sky completed it mate <laughs> but, but it's not about that it's for me it's not about completing the game yeah. i probably will go on record now and say i possibly won't ever get to the center of the universe on this game hmm. um i'm only on my fourth or fifth planet maybe a little bit more than that um, and i've put so many hours into this game um so already uh, just mining and seeing what else is out there and, and different things um that I, that's all I've done so far and I know like yourself you've probably put quite a bit of time into it Mark and done more planets than that um, but it's just nice seeing out there and like the other day I found out that just some of the animals are hostile and will come at you and unfortunately you have to kill them but then there are ones that are just wandering around and run off from you and if you run up to them you can actually feed them and then they actually will go around and dig sometimes quite rare materials out the ground for you mm. and then they get a little smiley face above them and there's loads of different things like that and there's so many different variations of, of uh, spacecraft that you can get that's got more storage and different guns and different things to explore. Um, maybe it has been overhyped, which I think is more Sony's fault than Hello Games because mm. they haven't got enough people to hype it up. No. <laughs> they've probably not got enough, they've not slept enough to hype it up. Um, but it is a really good game and I think it, it shows some of the other developers out there that have got, um, if you take The Division, I know it's a completely different game, but the, the, the size of the team that was working on that game compared to the guys of a 12 have made this. Mm. It's, it's, it's phenomenal what they have managed to do. Um, and like you say, I think people need to understand that you're not going to be able to get to these really nice planets straight off the bat. You've got to work towards it, which is, guess I guess, kind of like the RPG element of the game is you've got to keep visiting these planets to get your upgrades, to get your blueprints, to then get your materials, to build that warp drive so you can start going to these uh, different planets and stuff but it's like you say it's a relaxing game and, and fun to play yeah if you're looking for like a, a nice chilled relaxing space exploration game if you if the idea of like you know pulpy colorful sci-fi and space exploration excites you then it's probably going to be the sort of game that you would enjoy if not then you probably won't um i'd say that hello games are getting an undue amount of hate on on the Twitter and uh, various other forms of social yeah. media and internet forums and, yeah. and comments and, and whatnot. Um, and then there's also the other end, like the, the, the rabid fans that like we were talking about earlier, who are at the other end of the spectrum and will attack anyone who says anything bad about the game. People, if if you don't like this game, then that's fine. It's not this. It's not. It's not going to be the sort of game for you. Um, if you do like it, then. I don't understand why people are, you know, having a go at other people online who do like the game. Um, but it's a, it's, it was always going to be a problem when a game was made by 12 people, um, but was hyped and promoted by Sony like a AAA release, like uh, that would usually be made by a studio of, you know, a few hundred. Um, it was a it's a massively ambitious game even if you don't like it you've got to appreciate what hello games did like nobody has made a game on the scale of this um 
that runs on console at least so seamlessly like no loading times at all take off from a planet fly up into the atmosphere fly through space go down onto the the surface of another planet you'll get pop in and everything as as the algorithm like uh, pull, pulls from the number the code for that particular planet and builds it in front of your eyes sometimes as only well really when you're flying over the planet when you're out on foot it's fine um, but it's it's a really really impressive game what they've done with it it's just not going to be for everyone. Um, yeah, but, it's um, unbelievably smooth and mm. and relatively bug free on the console, at least. Yes. I mean, I have come across a few where sometimes I'll go to launch off the surface of a planet and I'm somehow in orbit, yes. yeah. uh, which pisses me off a little bit. But then you're like, man, whatever, and just dive bomb back down to the planet. Uh, and there's a few little bits where sometimes the because you auto land your ship, mm-hmm. that can be a little bit questionable sometimes where it does land you. Mm-hmm. Um, but for a game I'd expect it to, I won't put it this way there are games that have come out um, that have been a hell of a lot worse but with a massive team behind them and a lot of money behind them that have done a really bad job for saying the team mm-hmm. and sometimes the weight that they've got behind them and and their history which we again we talked about earlier there are some games that come out and you're like really how did that get past quality control and stuff Hello Games probably haven't even don't even well, not, don't know what quality control is but probably haven't had time to do that unless they've outsourced it to someone else because no. there's just 12 of them well they had this um, ingenious system where they built bots that would fly out into the, the the universe and capture footage and then they had like a wallboard of gifs of um what the various bots had found out in the universe whilst they were building the game but even if they had the largest qa team that has ever been a master of video game ever you're still not going to be able to test that game to the point where every planet is going to be, you know, everything's going to work on every planet all of the time. It's just, it cannot work. Um, yeah. yeah. And, so you're and the fact that you can name works. everything as well is yeah. awesome. Yeah, um, although I noticed that a lot of people have been trying to uh, name planets dicks out for Harambe um, and the filter won't let you. <laughs> Which is good. Yeah. It's nice that they've, they've had the time to put that in. Yes. And if you come across a snowy planet, you have to call it Hoth. Of course, yeah. the rules. Hoth, if, if it's a forest <laughs> moon, then it's got to be called Endor. Yeah. Um, I've been uh, going, whenever I've landed on a planet which has been particularly horrible, like extremely toxic or, or radioactive, and there's been lots of angry sentinels on it or angry um, creatures and not a lot of materials, I'll always name it. Uh, I'll, I'll change the name to be some sort of warning so that if by you know minute chance somebody else in the game stumbles across that particular system that I've discovered they'll see that planet and it's got a warning like turn back or here be death or whatever so hopefully other people won't make the same mistake I did by landing on some of the horrible planets that I found but you're too much of a nice gamer you should say gold mine or something yeah. and then <laughs> the planet's on fire or something when you get down there <laughs> here be sweeties um, but yeah, it's. I, I think this is probably going to be a game that we'll need to do a, a, a dedicated extrasode on at some point in the future once uh, a few more of us have played it and we've explored the game a little bit more. But um, if you're interested in seeing some, then I've started my um, diary series, ingeniously named by Stuart here, uh, Mark Trek, A Hitchhamer's Guide to the Galaxy. Um, first episode's got uploaded a few days ago and after this recording I'm going to try and tape the the next episode of it. Um, I am one warp jump away from I think meeting Atlas for the first time, whatever Atlas is. 
Um, there's been a, an Atlas quest marker that's been leading me through a few star systems and I'm one jump away from reaching the end of that so hopefully that should be in the next episode but yeah it's a really really interesting game um, it's not perfect I did never expected it to be perfect it's exactly what I wanted from that game but it's I would I, I, it's got a lot of caveats I wouldn't recommend it for everyone <laughs> So this week's lunch hour game of the week is a little game called Alto's Adventure. Um, I was flicking around on, uh, I think it was a Tech Radar article on what were the best free uh, Android games to play in 2016, and this was the first one that I saw that looked interesting. Um, it's uh, I think it came out in 2015. It's sort of like an endless runner developed by developed and published by a three-man team called Snowman. Um, in it, you play a character called Alto, who I think is he supposed to be from like a Tibetan village or something like that. I think it seems um, something in around that. Yeah, there's um, yeah. llamas and things all over the place and things like that. So I'm guessing, yeah, um, sort of a high altitude. Um, yeah, sort of vaguely South American. Yeah. So you play this fella called Alto from this little village, and all the llamas escape. And so he jumps on his skate on his skateboard on his snowboard, uh, and races off down the mountain to start rescuing them. And it turns it's basically just an an endless a two D uh, side on snowboarding endless runner, um, which usually wouldn't be the sort of game that'd be that interested in because there's a, there's so many endless runners and most of them are rubbish. Uh, but this one's really, really nice. It's really simple. Um, you just tap on the screen once to jump, uh, tap and hold to be able to do a backflip, and that's those are the only mechanics in it at all. Um, but it's just the way it's presented. Like it's really, really visually like um, uh, interesting art style. Uh, I know that the the game was um, uh, inspired quite heavily by games like Journey and Monument Valley. Uh, and games like that. Uh, the journey comparison I can see quite a lot because there's like an active day-night cycle as you're doing these runs and so like you'll be skating, there's, there's snowboarding down this mountain chasing after these llamas and um, in the background the sun will start to set and then you're snowboarding at night and then the sun will start to rise again and it's, it's a really really pretty little fun 2D um, endless runner snowboarding game uh, I don't know if there's a paid for version on Android the only version I could find was a free one which means every time you you fuck up and Alto falls off your snowboard you either have to just restart or you can pay a chunk of the little gold coins that you pick up to, to just revive him or you can watch a video which is always an awful advert for some other free-to-play um, game on Android uh, I'm hoping there's like a paid for version so I can just pay for it and skip that nonsense but um have any of you guys played it at all? Yeah, I've got it on um, iPad, sort of, so mm -hmm. I um, paid for it. Although I think I got it in one of their um, iTunes deals of the week or whatever, so it was maybe only a couple of pounds, whereas I think it's normally about two ninety nine. I think it is, or uh, well, yeah, I think it's two ninety nine. Um, yeah, it's two ninety nine. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So yeah, just a lovely little game. Um, just your sort of comparison with Journey. There's also the mm. sort of scarf mechanic. Um, your scarf oh, actually course, grows, yeah. grows in length. Um, mm. The more sort of um, continuous sort of tricks and things 
that you manage to make sort of the backflips, the grinds um, along the bunting and things like that. And then mm. whenever it gets to a certain length, you then have the ability to fly and uh, do loop-the-loops and things like that as well, which obviously helps sort of avoiding any of the crevices and uh, getting away from the elders, which occasionally chase you. Oh, yeah. I, I came across one of those uh, uh, today, actually, when I was playing it. Like, yeah, you, you'll... you'll, you'll uh, snowboard past like a, a fellow who's asleep by a campfire and then he'll start chasing after you on the back of a of a um a llama and you've got to keep like jumping and doing tricks to try and outrun mm-hmm. him and if he catches up he'll knock you off your snowboard and then a message pops up that just says respect your elders <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's a lovely little game there's um certain missions involved in it where it's either you know um hit a certain score or uh, do a grind or you know so many backflips and what have you and within that as you progress um, through each of the missions you will eventually uh, unlock newer characters who have different mm. abilities as well um, I think one of them is like a sort of a tech expert or whatever so um, they've developed rocket shoes uh, another one is obviously a heavier set um, chap who maybe takes a little bit longer um, to get his acceleration up and maybe can't spin as quickly but once mm. he actually starts hitting a top speed it's a lot faster than some of the other characters Mm. Um, I think the last hidden character is a llama, although I haven't got to that stage of actually <laughs> unlocking it. Um, but that'll be fun if and when I ever actually get to that stage. Um, I think the final one that I'm on, or the last mission um, that I just can't get past, is um, avoiding three elders in one game. So it actually Oof. means lasting long enough to come across three elders and escape them. Um, mm. You actually hit that. And uh, yeah, no, that's a, a tough mission to get hold of, so it is. What yeah. i not necessarily disappointed in, the game itself is lovely to play and the mechanics and everything are very, very smooth and things like that, but I've been playing it for long enough now that I almost wish there was like another little bit of end game as such, and maybe there is once I've sort of finally unlocked the llama, um, mm. but I'm trying to think of something like Little Inferno where it seems like a sort of an interesting but odd little game but then actually as you get to a certain stage of the game it completely changes and you go oh okay Mm. whether or not that actually happens i'm not sure it would be nice if it did but um for the game as it's as it is it's uh yeah it's a lovely little as you know lunch hour game of the week something to just pass the time yeah and did you say you've played this on windows 10 windows 10 yeah a tiny bit yeah um, What's it? It's, how much is it on there? It's free. Oh, it's free on yeah, yeah. then, Okay. Um, I don't really well, have a lot of it. I haven't played a lot of it, to be honest. You guys are much oh, further into it than me. But yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a nice little game, and it's free to play with some annoying little watch this video if you want to proceed stuff on uh, Android. Um, and then what is it? Two ninety nine? Do you say on on iOS? Uh, and free on Windows 10, so yeah, check it out, it's good fun. So some of the crew are now going to abandon ship and jump in the escape pods and depart, uh, but we'll be back after the break to talk a little bit about this year's Gamescom, so see you in a minute.
Welcome back. A few seconds have passed in the pod, but we've been transported forward a week in this time rift and have been deposited in Köln, Germany, in the midst of the aftermath of Gamescom. Stuart and Andy have been jettisoned in the escape pods, and we've been joined by engineer Stuart Scotty Cullen as we make our th- way through a sea of bratwurst and vice beer garbed in attractive lederhosen to talk about what happened at Europe's premier gaming convention. Welcome, gentlemen. Hello. All right. Hello. Where do we start? Don't mention Wolfenstein. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Where do we start not mentioning Wolfenstein? Uh, should we start with the most bizarre one, uh, which is the Nosulus Rift? Yeah, which I, I right up until we jumped on Skype, I thought was just a joke. So did I. But, oh, yes, I thought it was a gimmick yeah. for the show. Mm. Like that they were joking I about. saw a very elaborate um, email, or it might have been on the internet, of a... what if it, was, if it was done on the 1st of April, I'd have said, that's an April Fool's, well done. Very clever, looks real. You've got a few people with it on. There we go. Um, but the fact that it's real and people were using it at Gamescom is just completely nuts. Still don't know if it's physically going to be released, but it is real. Um, anybody that's listening that doesn't know what the Nostalus Rift is, is a device that's coming out in conjunction with the South Park, the fractured butthole, and basically sits on your nose. And whenever you fart, which is your main power in the next game, uh, you get a waft of fart. I think it's fart version three. So uh, basically, for anyone who remembers Noel's house party, it's Smellovision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if you're not scratching and sniffing it, it <laughs> I think it's connected via Bluetooth, and it, uh, it, yeah, jettisons its goodness into your nasal passages. And uh, how does this work? Are you going to have to get refill cartridges of fart smell? Yeah, yeah. Yep. I think so. Yeah. Wow. I don't know if it's similar to the vapor things. Wow. Um, but yeah, apparently they've done a lot of work on it and. If you go for a shit in the game, it does an even more intense oh, smell, and Jesus. it's just nuts. It does make <laughs> sense in the overall big scheme of things, but because it's like we've got high-end earphones for our ears, we've got Oculus Rifts and Vines for our eyes, it's kind of was the one thing that was missing. You know what I mean? You've already got body packs that shoot you, so when you're playing FPSs and you get shot, you, you, they, they give you a shock and so forth. So it kind of is that next layer of immersion, I'd say. Because I imagine, like I was saying in the, the green room, about the kind of idea of like, if you're at the sea or something, well, let's take the novelty of South Park right out of the equation. But the kind of idea of like, uh, a roller coaster and having like the smell of air, I know that's really weird, but you know that smell Coil. you get with air? <laughs> the smell of carnies and vomit. Aye, but there's a, there's a smell, it's like when, it's going to, when it's really frosty, there's a smell in there as well. See that kind of smell? That the just subtleness, you know what I mean? Like, like Phillips Ambilight. <laughs> For the nose, um, but yeah, I think it's it's an interesting thing, and it's uh, definitely showing f- where they kind of maybe thinking of going. But the also thing is, like, how does it work on a hygiene level? Because if you stick two things up your nose, <laughs> no, I don't think it goes up your nose. I think it, it just sits around. It. It's like a mask oh, almost. Right. Um, but yeah, it's and it lights up when it farts as well. Oh. But uh, yeah, an interesting one. I thought it was a joke. Came out of Gamescom and. Like I say, there's nothing physically been released as to whether you can buy it. I presume you can, or how much it's going to be. Um, but hey, that's uh, that's your gimmick of the show, I think. Should we move on to some of the games we saw then? So uh, sure. We should we point out they did show South Park fo- footage as well. New footage, yeah. actually. I've been avoiding... Um, I saw the footage that they showed at E3, and it was, it was hilarious yeah. with the whole like play on the um, Marvel Cinematic Universe thing and the split between the the, the two groups and leading to the Civil War. Um, But apart from that, I've been trying to avoid as much footage as possible because I know that like 
they're just going to spoil a lot of really good jokes in this footage so i've ignored as much as i can apart from that but it looks really good like what i've seen of the the combat and everything it's like inst- it, the the grid the move to the grid based combat and being able to use the environment um to your advantage and like pushing enemies into your teammates to combo and things like that it looks like they've they've done a lot of work on what was quite a straightforward and relatively boring combat system in uh, stick of truth yeah that's why i yeah. stopped playing that it was as funny as it was, I just couldn't get over the boring... So I persevered to the end, and the final boss fight was a slog. Not as hard as the fight against um, uh, Al Gore, though. That fight was a pain in the ass. although it was kind of hilarious. When you first fight him and his, uh, his uh, Secret Service guys come out, and they're like, protect the sword of Vice President. I love that line. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, uh, they've done they've done a lot of work on because everything else in the sticker truth was fine. Like the, the no, story yeah. and everything was great. Um, it was funny from start to finish, and it had some you know classic South Park. Oh my god, I can't believe they went there. Moments. Yeah. I think for for a base game as well, compared to previous South Park games, it's probably one of the best. The other ones have been a little bit ropey, and there was that first person shoot, was that on the N64? Yeah, the N64, the, the snowball shoot, the snowball fighting shooter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that was not good. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they're a good solid foundation in which to, to improve, and it looks like they're, they're fixing the, the thing that was the most broken about it, which was the combat. So, um, yeah, it looks good. So, moving on, we saw another Mafia 3 trailer. Uh, the more I saw the sea of this game, the more I'm really interested in playing it, but I'm not going to pick it up at launch, to be honest. Um, there are just too many games coming out in, in this like silly season period between now and Christmas. Uh, I, it's it's going to be one that I'll pick up in the future when it's a little bit cheaper, but it looks way more interesting than Mafia 2 did, and I really enjoyed Mafia 2. I, I really enjoyed the first Mafia as well. Yeah, um, It's the first game, open-world game as well that's introduced like a speed limit kind of mm, yeah, uh, the th- that was in the first very one. first mafia yeah. yeah that was awesome it was so hard as well because there was the bit in the first game with the uh we had to do that race in the really old car oh my god yeah so hard especially on a keyboard because yeah. back in the day you can put a uh, a joypad in okay yeah but i for all its faults i loved the first one and the second was a massive improvement and i'm, I'm hoping for good things for mafia 3 like the the the, the switch to a to like um because the first two basically just hit like the key points from a lot of classic um mafia films like the first one had like key points from like um godfather and goodfellas and they did the same thing plus a few extra um mafia films in um hitman 2 yeah hitman 3 looks like they've got more mafia 3 sorry the hell mafia yeah Sorry, Mafia 3 looks like it's got more scope to try something interesting and tell a more original story because it's set in like a New Orleans sort of setting with an African-American protagonist. I think the, um, for what I'm seeing, I'm a big fan of it and I like how it all links in because especially what they're showing at Gamescom because the first game, we like to spoil the first game because we're back. Oh yeah, yeah, that, that game's like, what, 15 the years first old? Game, at the end of the first game, the boy, go, the, the boy goes into... Uh, he goes into witness protection, right? And then these two guys drive up in front of his house one day and go, are you him? And the guy goes, yeah. And they shoot him. Well, the guy that shot you is the guy you play in the second game. So in the second game, you play the first, the end, you play, in the second game, you play that mission yeah. for his, no, that, it's not a mission, it's a cutscene in the first game, but in the second mission, you're the guy that shoots the guy. Well, the guy you play in the second game is now a guy 
we're unsure of what you'll do in the third game because you're either going to work with him or he's your friend or he's something but he's been shown in the third game so theoretically there's the universes are all entwined which is yeah. really nice um, and it's something like, like Grand Theft Auto could only dream of because I know theoretically Grand Theft Auto is all the same universe but it doesn't have that cleanness there is some crossover, like there are mentions in GTA Five of you know an Eastern European guy yeah. who's doing something in Vice City, and then one of um, the Irish gang from GTA Four. One of their crew you can actually use on one of the heists in GTA Five as well. But it's um, never as strong. A, 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 no, no, a, a, a there's not like know. a serial. There's not like a, the same sort of link there is between Mafia One and Two. Uh, it's mere locations in GTA. I think you go here, and you, yeah. go, you go there. Like, like the guy that was the leader of the Lost. He's a. Well, I don't know. Five. You've always got the link of uh, what's his name, the guy who's been in like GTA's three, four, uh, Vice City, San Andreas, and five. Oh, Laszlo. Yeah, Laszlo's been in like all. Yeah, the but Laszlo does all the audio and that. Or not. Great, great, great yeah. podcast. Go check it out. Ooh. Rest in rest in peace, Big Wayne, legend. I just wanted to get out of there. Massive fan of him. So sorry. Yeah. Um. But yeah, um, he does all the audio and all that. So. He's the he actually he's one of the cool, coolest characters in it. I think Mafia Three for that first release trailer that came out, it had a very Pulp Fiction vibe for mm-hmm. me. Yeah, um, and they've, they've they've said they're actually going to release uh, a hundred track soundtrack yep. or hundred song track soundtrack. Oh yeah, uh, the soundtrack, the, the list of like the um, some of the songs that they've shown in recent trailers and gameplay footage has got me really excited for the soundtrack because it's like it's set in in like a period which was really really good for music it's also set in an interesting period because it was like it was not a great time to be an African American in the 60s but they also um, see the thing is as well Mafia spans I was going to say that as well spans time zones Mafia 2 yes, is yeah. fundamentally well free time well you start off in the army and then you become a kind of foot soldier for the Mafia and then you do hard time and then you come out and it's it's proceeded to the fifties in it. So I, yeah, I, it goes from like the end of it goes from like the end of the Second World War through to the like the fifties, early sixties. Yeah. So it's really interesting yeah. to see if they'll use that mechanic again in three, where all the hope so. shown us is maybe the, the start of it, and you might end up going to like the seventies. You know, it's it's, yeah. it's quite yeah, an interesting yeah. kind of outlook. I think this could be a, a, a very much a sleeper game of the end of this year I think it's going to get buried quite a bit as, as yeah. you said Adam it um, might be like a critic's darling but doesn't sell particularly well they should have brought it out in like March or something I don't know two keys for a lot of cash at it the PR's pretty high they know and we're still a few months away it's difficult to bring out a game like that at this time of year when you've got like there's a new FIFA and there's a new Call of Duty and there's a new Titanfall and there's a new Battlefield and there's Deus Ex and there's like so many games coming out between now and the end of the year it's kind of going to get it doesn't matter how much money they throw at marketing it's going to kind of get ignored by a lot of people I'm championing it don't you worry I'll champion it yeah well this is the thing it's like we're in the know but like the vast majority of consumers who don't really care about visiting video game sites and keeping up with the video game news are they really going to know that much about it are they going to care about it that much listening to laps gamers well yeah of course because they are (laughs) laps gamers (laughs) I'd like to see it do well because um, I enjoy those games and I'd like them to keep making them um, and I will play Mafia 3 the really interesting thing as well is the cycles on them are massive they're like yes. borderline CD C, CD CG well, this, Project Red but this is like um, it was a brand new studio who got given Mafia 3 and they've been working on it for two years mm. which is not a huge amount of time really to be working on a game of that scope so 
I hope it's as polished, you know, and as bug-free as it deserves to be. But you know, it's a brand new studio working on this IP with a two-year, you know, uh, development uh, cycle. So I don't know. Mm. We'll see. Shall we talk a little bit about new Star Wars Battlefront modes? Yay, Death Star. This is the new the new DLC that's coming out. I haven't seen well, anything about this, so uh, um, they keep rabbiting on about um, well the new next DLC packs, the Death Star uh, pack, which uh, they've already announced. It's Chewie's going to be the hero, mm-hmm. so that's the hero. I don't actually know where who the villain could be because he could be. A, I'm trying to think of uh, evil guys on the bounty hunters that are connected to the Death Star. Other than well, Vader's in it and the Emperor's in it, so it's kind of like who? Yeah, and you've already got Boba Fett. Yeah, well, we've already they've, they've kind of they're kind of working their way through all the the the, the bounty hunters, aren't they? The new, so you could get another bounty hunter. Um, Unless it's one of the unknown ones from you know the lineup when they originally go after. Well, they could yeah. date, I think it might be the robot. Well, come, See the when robot? does the DLC come out? Uh, September. Wait September. September. That's a shame. So I was gonna say if it came out in like December, that's when Rogue One's make... DLC's coming out. They are oh, right because yeah, like then they could start introducing some of the characters from Rogue, Rogue One. One's getting its one DLC pack. So don't yeah. worry, don't you, don't like, you, so they can don't you worry. But there are still characters that they can introduce. Like um, I don't know, it's probably a little bit too early uh, in the the time scale if they're doing this particular one to introduce Lando Calrissian. He's in but, it. Um, oh, he's in it. Yeah. Okay, he's good. in it. Nine Numbs in it. Uh, Guido, no Guido. Uh, yeah, Guido. Uh, yeah, Guido's in it. Guido's yeah. in yeah. it. Dagar's in it. Um, so you know, I mean, there's there's a lot of big hitters in it. So it's kind of oh, like, maybe they'll chuck in one of the Emperor's um, Imperial Guards. They're in you know, it as those, well those because if you spawn yeah. as the Emperor, you can then oh, spawn yeah, as Imperial you can Guards. Be one of the guards. Oh, yeah, just oh, guard. So they yeah, that should have been in there from the beginning because they're always there around the emperor. Um, Frank. So it's it's a bit interesting to see who the the villain will be. And there's a few new. There's a new mode. There's going to be a trench run. It's going to be a trench run today. There was an announcement and stuff that they're going to announce the new mode soon. Um, so it's really interesting because as I was saying on the past show, I was on. It's like we've had the uh, the kind of fluff DLC, and now we've got the prime cut of DLC coming in the form of the Death Star, which is kind of going to be awesome. And we're going to have the Rogue One stuff, which is going to be equally as awesome because odds are you're going to get that beach fighting scene for the trailer, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. as a, if you don't get that as a Walker Assault map, there's going to be issues. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's nice to see them taking a bit of care and after support and showing the kind of care and jujility, jujility, good word, that they use with Battlefield and stuff. So yeah. But I think as well, by the time we get to the next time, maybe before we get to next year, they'll be announcing Battlefield Front 2. Do you know what I mean? So, but I think Battlefront 2 then moves. I think they'll move it to a different saga because we've fundamentally had the original saga. I think they'll either move it back to the old to the Force Awakening saga or they'll move it forward to the prequel saga, you know? So It'd be a ballsy move to go to the prequel shit because it's shit. But, no, but, and who, yeah, who but, want, nobody wants to watch the films that low play for a game about I think like, it's the same. Like, Disney... Uh, I don't know how much of a hand they've got in, you know, guiding what EA does with Battlefront, but the same way that they're kind of ignoring the uh, the prequels, um, I think EA probably will go down the same route. Hmm. I mean, spoilers for The Force Awakens, but um, what's the what's the main planet in the prequels? Where the, Jakku. Um, Jakku? No, no, in the prequels. Oh, Coruscant. Coruscant. Yeah, Coruscant. They just blow it up in The Force Awakens. Hmm. Just destroy it. <laughs> 
that's a forty. That's, that's a, like that's a uh, sort of like you know, just forget about the prequels. It's gone. We've blown it up. It's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, I th- I, if EA are um, smart, then they will ignore the prequels completely. I mean, there's enough to go on in the exist, you know, in the, in the original trilogy and what they're doing with the new stuff. We've got all the other games to, coming out, which were you know, hinted at at E3. They've got the VR. Yeah. Yeah, X-wing experience coming to. That's just a mission, isn't it? It's like uh, X-wing mission yeah. in VR. Yeah. But is it going to be free and stuff? Who knows? Oh. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, grey area. So yeah, yeah. yeah. They should just make a remake of X-wing versus Tie Fighter for the Rogue Squadron. Yeah. Rogue Squadron. Yeah, Rogue Squadrons. Where's the money's at? Yeah, any of those old classic space sim combat uh, games. Just make remake one of those for the VR. That'd be great. There's a new map coming for Overwatch. Um, hey, Eichenwald map, um, big old castle in Germany. But it looks a bit different because if you watch the trailer, it's got that um, I don't know what the technical name for it is, but the thing that bashes down the door, battering ram. That's one. Yeah, the payload uh, in this particular one, uh, instead of it just being like a thing that you that you just escort this time you're escorting a battering ram which actually has to get to each checkpoint and smash the door down before you can go on to the next section it's really interesting how as well this is built into a bastion story and no reinhardt because <laughs> apparently this yeah. is this is next to the forest where bastion was held up while the rest is because there was a short animation that came out very touching animation really sad face sad tears um well there is that shot we've seen of um, someone lying dead in a chair in the Arkham World map who's wearing he's probably a, suit a World of Warcraft, Warcraft I'd say well, he's, he's wearing a suit of armour that's very similar to Reinhardt's and he's got a big mallet next to him um, but he's I think he's just another one of the Crusader units from uh, from Germany that Reinhardt was a member of before he joined Overwatch possibly he'll probably have some dialogue the big guy will stand there and go oh Steve's dead oh yeah, yeah. I and mean, there's a lot of weird lore stuff in Overwatch still, that you can you can completely ignore. But um, it's kind of interesting when you dig into it. But um, if it doesn't deliver it to me through gameplay, I don't care. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, I kind of like going looking for that stuff. That map's got a lot of verticality, isn't it? As well, that's one yeah. thing they keep banging the drum about is the verticality. Yeah, is quite a a major thing. And they're going to nerf people yes. again. <gasps> Every podcast, a nerf what update? Nerf update. Well, it's a game that's that like it. As the meta changes, as people discover exploits that you can use particular characters, yeah, it's going to be continually changed. Like it happens in every sort of game like this, though. There's always balance changes being made against uh, Genji. Genji's getting nerfed, but it's not the thing you want nerfed. Genji, it's his jump. No, how his jump? He can't double jump as quick. No, it's like you. No, really no, want... they're nerfing his ultimate. They're cutting the number of seconds that his ultimate is active for. As his jump's getting nerfed as well, because me and my mate were arguing yeah. about it because we really wanted the ability to deflect neutered a little bit oh no no the, the, the deflect's fine just don't shoot him when he's waving his little his little knife about um, the jump probably does need nerfing because when people are really on point with the jump he's fucking impossible to shoot welcome to the Overwatch cast <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll say it for another one but yeah there's a new map coming it looks really cool uh, like you were saying there's a lot more verticality which is interesting there's also a new it's already out the, the new animated shorts um uh, focusing on uh, Bastion I'm guessing like I thought that when they made the last one before it came out with Soldier 76 that that was it they just made like a few shorts on a few characters but it seems like this is going to be an ongoing thing and they're going to do shorts for all of the characters which is really cool because like the level of production uh, in the animated shorts is really really good you can't access them in the game can you 
No. I feel like they're missing an opportunity there to just have a tab somewhere that plays them. Yeah, Same it, with the comic. Nice. There's a digital comic that really does man on because I want a physical comic, but Dark yeah. Horse have done a digital comic that fills in a lot of the backstory, but I've not read any of them because they're just digital. Is that the comic that uh, focuses on uh, Junkrat and Roadhog? That's a single issue there's like right, okay. 12 issues yeah. available now because there's one with Genji well and you never know in the future they may make a like a physical copy of it like I'm assuming at some point like you'll be able to get a DVD with all of the animated shorts on but like I haven't watched the best scene one yet I'll watch it when we finish this oh, recording oh it's sad because, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's really good yeah I've really enjoyed them so far like uh, especially the one with um, Hanzo and Genji like the, the quality of animation in that is like on a par with Pixar is really really good well when you're not making much you need to do some of your time didn't you ah make a film alright sure <laughs> going at it boys you're only making one map for it it's not like we're doing much here <laughs> but I kind of got it before it came out because it was just like marketing but at this point the game's been out and anyone who was interested in the game's probably already got it like they sold millions of units already um but they're still pumping out these um, animated shorts, and it's like, uh, they cannot be cheap to make. They did the Olympics thing, didn't they, as well? Which is really yeah. reasonable, you know what I mean? Everybody loves a bit of Lucio Ball. <laughs> yeah, Lucio Ball was really fun. I mean, it was essentially Rocket I League. I hated that glitch. Worst glitch ever. <laughs> it's like, what's that? Oh, it's a soldier. Oh, what's that? Oh, it's an Anya. How are they... Oh, wait, they're hitting the buttons and... Oh rubbish yeah but um, I wish your ball was fun and it was like it, I hoped it would be a different game each week in the Olympics like we could have had like widow shooting range and stuff like that but it never really it was a free update I can't, we can't really complain about well, the fact they didn't give us free enough free, free stuff so. yeah I know but it's like uh, the, the, the big stuff that's free is like the new characters and the new maps and that's what they're putting most of their efforts into so I don't think you can really complain about the fact that they, they only gave us one um, you know free game mode uh, for a, a, a you know for the Couple Olympics, yeah. Don't forget, so, Battleborn's uh, getting a, free, a new character. <laughs> oh, is anyone still playing that? Don't know. It's a wee hawk. Sorry. It looks a wee, yeah. wee chicken guy with a bazooka. It looks quite cool. Okay. Aww. The the five people who are still actively playing that on Steam will be excited. I'm sure. Um, please, a wee hawk who bought the season pass as well because you need to buy <laughs> you need to buy the season pass to get them. But, yeah, <laughs> that was just a bad move. Like, I I still reckon that uh, Battleborn will be free to play by the end of the year. Mm, I'll be free with gold by the end of the year. <laughs> Moving on. Dishonored 2. We saw another new trailer um, which showed some more of the... Um that some of the, some of the, the new techniques that um, Emily... Is it Emily Kedwin? Is that her name? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was reading a little bit about uh, Dishonored 2 in Edge uh, the other day and they were talking about in there how Corvo is Emily's dad. And for a moment I was like, did I miss something in the original game? I don't remember her being... I don't remember Corvo being her dad. I thought he was just her mum's bodyguard. Did I miss something? Uh, yeah, I thought that as well. But it's maybe it's just like it. a bit of story missed it, as well as body, you know, being the the Empress's bodyguard who's also stripping her. But I don't know. Uh, hey. um, yeah, uh, I'm really, really excited for this game. See, this is another this is another game that I think is going to come out, and people are going to be more likely to play something like this than Mafia uh, Three because. Dishonored. The first Dishonored sold a lot, a lot better than people expected for a, for a new, you know, first person stealth IP. Um, it was a, the first one was an incredible game. Really, really loved it. And it looks like the the changes they've made in the second one, being able to like play through the game twice for two different characters to play it through completely different ways. Um, 
the way that Emily plays compared to Corvo is completely different. Um, some of the things that she can do it looks so cool. Like um, the is it Emily or is it? I think it's Emily's ability where she can like mark multiple enemies and then attack one of them, and then what gets done to one of the enemies is duplicated on the other ones that have been marked. Yes. Yeah. 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 Stuff like that looks incredible. Um, and do you remember the footage they showed from uh, the Bethesda conference at E3 where uh, there was the level in the mansion um, <clears throat> and she had that broken mirror and could keep jumping between two time points? Yes. Like yeah. the present where the mansion was derelict and the past where it was still guarded and you know full of people. Like some of the things they're doing with it look so cool. Uh, they stole that idea from the Heroes game. Really? You can That Heroes Gemini Reborn. Crap game. You're the only person I know of who would have actually... Played the oh, I reviewed game. it. I had no choice. <laughs> <laughs> One of the big stories that broke right at the very beginning of Gamescom is that there is a new Metal Gear game coming. Um, the first non-Pachinko post-Kijima no. Metal Gear game. Um, and I saw the trailer, and the trailer starts up, and there's there's Snake, uh, and there's, um, there's uh, Miller, and... They're escaping on a helicopter, and then there's one of the soldiers from Mother Base, and then he gets sucked into a portal, and then he becomes left for dead. It becomes like a CGI cutscene is what it becomes. There's no actual gameplay in <laughs> it, you know? It's not... It's, it's like... I don't know what is going on with this. So, yeah, Metal Gear Solid Survive is what it's called. So it's not a... Well, no, sorry. It's Metal Gear Survive, not Metal Gear Solid Survive. It's like... I guess they're trying to position it as being like Metal Gear Rising. It's in the Metal Gear universe, sort of, but it's not a Metal Gear Solid game. Um, but yeah, it's a, what, four-player cooperative survival game, which is where the comparisons with Left 4 Dead are coming from, but this is not what people want from a Metal Gear game. It just strikes me as a complete and utter cash grab. Like, they've done yep. the cheapest thing they could do that will look the best. Like, they're going to reuse all the... like the. Phantom Pain area, ex- like, expansive. They're going to throw in dumb zombies, AI. Like, I don't even know if they were zombies. They had these weird red crystals sticking out of their heads. Yeah, just zombies. Uh, just, I just don't get it. It's just going to be stupid little scenario. It's going to feel like a fan-made game or like a mod. Yeah. Basically. I well, can't I see like anything else. Konami said, well, we spent loads of money letting Kojima make the Fox engine. We should probably do something with it that isn't a pachinko machine or Pro Evo. Let's make a Metal Gear something game. But they can and make this anything. Is the best that they thought up. Well, why don't they make another Metal Gear Solid game? Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be a Kojima Metal Gear Solid game, but just make another. Not this. This looks. I know we haven't seen any gameplay or anything. Like, it could turn out to be alright, but based on this CG trailer, it looks shit. But people like zombies. People like Metal Gear. It's a match made in heaven. Leave the zombies to, like, Call of Duty side mode. Even if they need, felt the need to use the Fox engine for another game, why not pick any of the other IPs they still own? Why not make another Silent Hill game yeah. with the Fox engine? Watch Dogs 2 multiplayer details. I haven't seen any of this. Does anyone else want to talk about it? I don't... I, I, I've kind of nah, I've no interest in Watch Dogs. I, I like the first one. I mean, I, the multiplayer. Some of the multiplayer stuff was the best aspects about um, Watch Dogs One. Watch Dogs One was 
on the whole, a pretty boring game with a really boring protagonist in a boring open world. He's half Aiden. Um, he was all right. But Aiden was fucking boring. It was his really niece just dour. died, so he vaulted to our grave. So he was just going to whinge his way through the whole game and be really yeah. gruff. But anyway, yeah, the multiplayer stuff in Never First for Watch us. Dogs was... Uh, no, that's... Um, that's the other one. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, some of the multiplayer stuff, like the whole uh, Dark Souls-style invasion thing, where you could invade other people's worlds, or you could be invaded by other people's worlds. Like It happened to me a few times where I'd go to a mission marker, go to start a mission, it wouldn't let me start it, and then mm. suddenly I'd be invaded by another player. And then you've got like this area of the map that you're locked within, and you have to find where the other player is who's hacking you before the timer counts down and stop them from hacking you. Um, stuff like that was really cool. Um, there was like straightforward team deathmatch, which was a bit rubbish. But then there was other ones where like you'd be driving around the city and someone playing on the um, mobile app on a tablet would invade your game, like hack your game and start um, messing about with the bollards and the traffic signals, bridges and stuff like that to try and block your path. Stuff like that was like really, really cool. Um, it was buried in a game that was a bit meh, but they tried some really interesting things with the multiplayer in the original Watch Dogs. I, I haven't seen any of the stuff that they're doing in 2, though. So the new the new stuff they are adding in um, is, uh, well, what they announced at Gamescom is a new mode called Bounty Hunter Mode. Um, and it's another one of the seamless modes. And basically, if you cause too much havoc, such as killing loads of innocent civilians, a bounty is placed on your head. And this will allow up to three players uh, seamlessly invade your game. And they hunt you down for a reward. However, you can fight back and presume you'll get a, a big award, a reward uh, for doing that. So there's, there's a co-op mode um, as well in it, um, which, which sounds pretty cool. So it's just a, a few extra seamless bits and bobs. Wasn't it co-op in the first one, was there? No. I don't remember there being any co-op in the original. No. I, didn't, I thought they maybe added it in the T-Dog stuff, because I really wanted to play the T-Dog stuff, because it apparently was good. Ubisoft, they seem to get a, a formula, and then they stick with it for a good four or five games. And then they'll change it. Because I, I'm thinking, like, Far Cry, for example, and especially Primal. It's like, is it, I hope Watch Dogs, is, as people are saying in brackets, it's the Assassin's Creed 2 out of the Watch Dogs series. You know what I mean? Because now Assassin's Creed 2 was the, yes. the watershed moment, yeah. and everybody went, oh, this is amazing. And then they ran it into the ground by free. I think that's the thing. I also had a really weird rumour as well that apparently there's going to be an Ezio. HD collection coming which will uh, be ah yes I've heard about that yeah two Brotherhood and Revelations uh, Revelations yeah, yes yeah. indeed um, apparently that's coming so that's two, something to uh, Assassin's Creed 2 was a masterpiece I absolutely adore that game yeah it's yeah. a brilliant game and Ezio was a was a great protagonist at, at first and then over time he kind of lost his he got old his, he got he got old and gruff and lost his charm a little bit you never asked oh, for this. No. Sea of Thieves. We got some more uh, details and some more gameplay footage. Uh, as I said when we did our uh, E3 wrap-up, this is one of the games that I saw at the Microsoft Conference E3, which made me think, ooh, I actually quite like to play this. I might possibly have to look into getting an Xbox at some point in the future. Sea of Thieves looks really fun. I don't know if any of you share that enthusiasm uh, for it yes all. and no I watched quite a lot of those streams because I guess they just streamed basically the show floor and people coming up yeah. and they had staff kind of talking over it so that there was something to actually watch as they were kind of coaching the players through yeah. it definitely looks fun I only want I just want to know how it's going to work online like if you're going to play yeah. with what five other do? people they don't have mics 
if there's some sort of clicky stick wheel for talking or no, something. Uh, apparently, if you're playing on your own, then the other crew members are filled in with uh, by AI characters. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it's the sort of game that you're going to want to have four other people because yeah. that's where the fun is of like trying to coordinate, you know, controlling mm-hmm. a giant pirate ship and. I don't know, like, it It just looks really fun. It does um, look fun. Unless it's on the PC as well, it does mean you're going to have to buy an Xbox One, Mark, since the three of us can it's, play it. It's on PC <laughs> as well. Oh, is yeah, it? Yeah, I was say, I think it's, it's on PC, one. yeah. Yeah, yeah cool. it's, it's the same as all, all the Xbox first-party games coming out. It's on PC as well, and it will be cross-play with the Xbox One as well. Oh, okay. so, um, so then there'll be enough players awesome. and stuff, like yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah for good. sure. They're, like, they're, I reckon there'll be a decent... Because, like, uh, there's... There's a lot of interest around this game because there isn't anything out there really quite like it. No, well, it's no. just it's just like um, Elite or No Man's Sky kind of slightly. As in, you are in the sea and you get to wander the seas and pillage and plunder and no rape because it's very rare. So yeah, heavy pet. <laughs> because, Apparently, um, you can drink a lot. Yeah, you can get smashed. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just that kind of that kind of like let's let's not go to space. Let's let's just do it in here. Um, yeah, it's it's it's, it's, it's what it is. I'll, uh, it's very rare in its core artwork, style, music, yeah, comedy, um, and I think it's rare's comeback. It could either be incredible fun or the execution could not work, and it it could be a disaster. I'm hoping that it's going to be uh, the former, and it's going to be a good game and good fun to play because I it's definitely one that I'd be interested in picking up and playing through with uh, with a few friends. It'd just be nice to know what there is to do in the game because at the minute it's like Adam was saying, it's just you just well, that's all, you just that's what you need. Yeah, yeah. you, you yeah. just be a pirate. Like you, you go and dig for buried treasure and and try and um, find where ninjas are because uh, you know how pirates fight ninjas. Yeah, exactly. And uh, fight other players on their uh, pirate ships, and you know it looks it looks good fun. <laughs> Final Fantasy XV has been delayed. It was supposed to be out soon. It's been pushed back to November. Apparently that is so they can actually get the day one patch on the disc. Rather than... There will probably also be a day one down patch to download as well when the game comes out. But they wanted to put the the changes they've made on the disc uh, before it goes out for review. And for people, I guess, who are buying it who don't have an internet connection... Um, which is not a bad thing. It might be a cultural thing as well. They were talking about this on another podcast I was listening to about how when they made the announcement, they kind of had to explain to Japanese people what a patch is because it's not as prevalent with JRPGs and stuff. No, not really, no. So I guess maybe there was that, like thinking more of the domestic market, like making sure... One thing I know for sure for it is the, the, the PR for it. Like every day I get at least one Final Fantasy email. Oh, you know what Square are like, something. Though. Do you know what I mean? But it's like it's like I don't even pay. I don't. I'll know why I horn up here. I don't pay attention. But I'm sure if you're a fan, you could eat it up and you'd love it. But mm. it's just like every day, two or three emails about that, and I'm like, well, it's like this game has been ten years in the making. Yeah, it's for people who are big Final Fantasy fans. It's a really, really big game. But then it's one of the games yeah. which, to be true to review, uh, it's a weird one because I don't think these kind of games you can review. You can only get your in- well, you can review because you can play for the whole thing. But that's hundreds and hundreds of hours, you know what I mean? So it's like you're only going to get a snippet of somebody's experience, you know what I mean? And I think it's a dangerous area, JRPGs to review, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Well, n- I'd say like you'll probably, you could probably get through a, you know, your average JRPG in less time doing everything than you could, say, The Witcher 3. 
or Dragon mm. Age Inquisition or something like that. Western RPGs tend to be a little bit more sprawling uh, with a lot more side missions. Mm-hmm. This looks like it's got a lot more side content and a lot more exploration and a lot more sprawl than previous uh, Final Fantasy games are, especially Final Fantasy Thirteen, which was just a corridor game for the first 30 hours. Um but still, it's they tend to be a little bit more straightforward. In What's there. it driving in it? Isn't it? That's the yeah, game showing this. Yeah, yeah. And a camp. <laughs> there you get the picture tent and stuff. Uh, I played a few hours of episode Duske, which was the demo, the chunky demo they gave out. Oh God, what a year or so ago? Yeah. That when you played as a kid? No, no, that was later. I didn't play that one. Uh, so episode Duske, I played. Yeah, played a few hours of it. And I did not get on with the new combat system. I didn't like the combat system in thirteen either. I didn't like the combat system in um, twelve. To be honest, um, I haven't liked the the way that the combat has gone in the Final Fantasy games since um, everything past ten, where they decided to ignore the old turn-based system. I'm still quite old school in that respect. I like my JRPGs to have a turn-based combat system. But I think you can turn that back on. I think uh, that was well, an option that I read in a there's release. Not, um, there's not a, like your usual like you know two teams lining up against each other, taking turns to to twat each other system. Um, but but you can now um, you can pause the combat at any point, like you can in say like a Dragon Age or Baldur's Gate or something like that, and issue commands to your teammates and then unpause the game. Oh, okay. I thought they'd put it in. I might have read it wrong, and it's that. But I thought they'd put in the turn-based stuff as an option. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, no, for what I was reading, it's more to with like being able to pause the game and issue commands oh, rather okay. than it being like just this this bombastic, you know, um, real time combat system that was really really confusing when I played Episode Duske. I was really excited about this game once upon a time. Um, not that bothered about it now. It looks absolutely gorgeous, um, and it could turn out to be really good. But what I from what I played of Episode Duske, it's not really my jam. I'm looking forward more to uh, Persona 5 uh, next February. Do you know the best thing about this? <laughs> they actually predicted their own delay. Really? Because I don't know if you remember when they first announced it, it had like a ticker thing that was scrolling through dates. Yeah. And it settled on November and then scrolled back to September and then the crowd went wild. <laughs> so like, it's kind of, I don't know if that was like intentional or like to show that they... Uh, long and it was just funny how they ended up settling on November. Yeah, and when they first announced it, that's how it was announced. Yeah, so whatever of. the reasons, it's still funny. Some sort of like poetic justice or irony or something. <laughs> Talked away in Gamescom. Uh, it was a game called Planet Coaster. Uh, it's been created by the same guys from Frontier Development that did uh, Elite, and basically, it's uh, a new roller coaster tycoon, but a little bit kind of cartoony graphics and you've got three days to go if you want to kind of do a early access to the game uh, and it just looks loads of fun really uh, you can actually do a simulation ride of your rides and get gauge from you from your uh, crowds and visitors and different things uh, i've not read into it loads but uh, it does look pretty good on um injustice the showed deadshot and harley quinn Funnily enough, um, looks really good, but I really, really want that game. Now. Yeah, the first one was good. I'm terrible at fighting games, but the first Injustice was really good. It's like it actually, like it made Aquaman look cool. And who thought that could that was possible? And I really like their story mode. Yeah, yeah. Tekken get a few characters revealed as well. Cause 
Dang. Is it still just the one Street Fighter character they've got in Tekken? Oh, I've no really just Akuma. It. It's like they tried because they made Street Fighter cross Tekken, cross Tekken and they were going to make Tekken cross Street Fighter and then kind of abandoned it. And I think at that point they'd already made Akuma for the game, so they've just stuck him in we've, Tekken 7. We've got Drive Club VR coming out as well. Yeah. Oh, I, uh, that was a must. Drive Club VR will be released this year. Who's developing that? Because the studio has been liquidated. As the studio has been closed, most of the staff has moved across to Codemasters, but Sony have retained the uh, Drive Club name and the studio. So it's another studio that's doing it. Okay. <clears throat> no, because I think they've kept this the name Evolution Studios or whatever they were called, mm. Evolution something. Um, but I don't know. I, th- I think they're just taking Drive Club as is and making it work with, for VR. So I don't know who exactly is doing that. But and oh, Horizon Three was shown in 4K yes. on non 4K screens. Which was really funny. It's like, here's the 4K version, watch it on your phone. But my phone's no 4K. Still looks fucking lovely. Crash Bandicoot, we already knew, was coming to Skylanders. Um, but Neo Cortex, the villain from the Crash Bandicoot games, is also coming to Skylanders Imaginators on just the PS4, I'm assuming. I don't They're think Crash is coming. double pack? Yeah. What? You think they'd done this before with Donkey Kong and uh, Bowser? Mm. What else we got? The Surge. Uh, Deck 13, the guys who made yeah. Lords of the Fallen, which was that Dark Souls clone, um, which wasn't quite as good as Dark Souls, but actually looked really nice graphically. Uh, they're making another game, which is like a sci-fi ripoff of Dark Souls. So it's basically like two human? Uh, no, because it's like Dark Souls, but, um, uh, but, but sci-fi. Uh, but I mean, like two human was the kind of Norse, kind of Viking, kind of yeah. slaying guys. I don't know if anybody played that. Some people still swear by that game as being great, but... um. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought it was okay but I mm. thought it was a bit annoying because you finish it and it leaves you on a cliffhanger yeah. well because it was meant to be part of a trilogy wasn't it mm, yeah but they ran out of money and blah blah it's just horrible Paragon has gone into open beta which is odd because if you've got a PS Plus subscription then you've already got the starters pack and could be playing it now PS4 Survival MMO The Tomorrow Children, which is that game that, that they announced ages ago, which looked interesting but nobody knew what it was, is uh, now free to play and early access starts in September. Res Infinite is getting mm. a tasty collector's edition. I don't know whether it will come with that crazy suit that people are wearing at E3. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> I am 8-bits, what you call it, selling a load of res goodies, like picture vinyls and all that and they guys do some really nice stuff so yeah get over there if you like res i like i do like the double uh, vinyl album they've got for res it looks quite nice mm. there were some rumors that um mass effect will be getting a hd remake on and off heard that yeah heard that as well yeah but it's a bit loose and a bit hammy and a bit well, we might do it kind of thing. Andro- yeah. What about Far Away for Andromeda, don't we? So. Well, yeah, we're not even seeing any gameplay from that yet, have we? No, so, and that's supposed to be out like Q1 or Q2 next year. Bullshit. It's not coming out in March. It'll be next Christmas time. No. It was supposed to be out this year, and then it got pushed to next year, and it's not going to be out until late next year. I, I guarantee reckon... What you'll find is what you'll find is the HD remake will stoke the fire. So whenever uh, that game was, it's from March. You'll get the HD remake in March just to quench the flames. I mean, they would never do it, but like... When, um, was it 2K who published the Metro games? Yeah. I can't remember the name of the developers. When they THQ, made Metro, it? Uh, it might be THQ, yeah. Originally, uh, When yeah. Um, Metro Redux came out, uh, Deep Silver? they remade, yeah, Deep Silver pr- published the Metro Redux games. And when they brought that out, they completely redid the first game in the second game's engine. And mm. if 
it, it probably never happened, but if they remade Mass Effect 1 in the Mass Effect 2 or Mass Effect mm-hmm. 3 engine, great. But the problem is there's two different kind of games. I mean, just like certain aspects, like they need to fix the Mako and they need to fix the actual run-and-gun aspect of Mass Effect yeah, 1. It's terrible in the first one. At yeah. the time, it was clunky, and uh, now it's just, if you go back and play it now, it's just like, this is bad. But if they did a Bioshock, do you think that would be all right? Like, you know, Bio- Bioshock could get a lot of reveal time, because it's like, we're like a couple of weeks away from it now, mm. but they kind of showed the, we've totally redone the first game, yeah. and they did the split yeah, yeah. screen thing and all that, and it was like, oh, that's quite nice. Um, do you think if they did that with Mass Effect, and then just fired in 2 and 3 as is, that'd be acceptable or if they fired in the Wii U version of Mass Effect 3 because apparently that's a wee bit better well yeah because it was a more powerful console wasn't it it was the same as like the um, the Wii U version of Deus Ex um, Director's Cut was better than the PS3 and Xbox 360 versions so they said um, no no it it, yeah, it, it, uh, it definitely is because there's more processing power I think we'll be lucky if we see any gameplay of the new Mass Effect before E3 next year <laughs> What else did we get? Uh, we got a Destiny live stream. We showed off some more stuff of uh, Rise of Iron. The more I see of that, the more I'm getting really excited for that. And that's out next month. There's customization options for Ghost Recon where you can customize your beard and camo and guns. Yeah. Um, but that game's still a wee bit off as well, so don't get too excited in that. Soon. Call of Duty Infinite Warfare showed off the new Zombies mode, which is uh, set in the 80s and uh, David Hasselhoff is in it. Mm. Um of course running down um, a beach there were the zombies more, chasing um, him yeah <laughs> there were more uh, live streams for Battlefield 1 and Titanfall 2 what else did we get showed off FIFA uh, in the Frostbite engine it looks exactly the same as showed the story mode and stuff didn't it, it had, who, who was the famous football player from Germany a famous German football player on the oh stage. Marco Royce oh uh, Marco Royce really yeah he's the cover star I couldn't be yeah. less interested oh, wow. <laughs> a sports ball personality who plays sports ball sat on a stage playing sports ball well I wouldn't say he was a personality um He's a good he's a good footballer. He's not a personality. That's the thing. They had him on stage playing, and he contributed nothing. Yeah, and like, the guy who was playing against him get real excited. Yeah. In the that was brilliant. That was like they're sitting playing it right, and they're kind of like he's kind of like yeah okay okay, and then the wee guy next to him is like yes yes yes, yeah, screaming yeah. grabbing people and like that's my pinnacle in my life. I get he's the cover star, so that's why they had him. But they could have picked somebody more charismatic. There's um. Well, there's a YouTube channel called Copper90 and they do a thing called FIFA and Chill. And some of the players come and just play and they're boring. But some of them are hilarious. Like Rio Ferdinand's been on it. He was absolutely brilliant. He would have had more banter on stage with them if they'd had an ex-pro or something. One of the the funny things from uh, Gamescom as well was the Half-Life 3 spoiler. Yeah, oh, yes. Yeah. The was Half-Life it- colon 3 and then underneath... There was like the rest of the title. Yeah, and it was advertising to other companies or something, which was just yeah. fucking brilliant. <laughs> it was a bit of a troll, especially yeah. if you didn't if you couldn't read German. What else did we get? Steep Ubisoft's extreme winter sports game has got a release date. I still don't know what it's supposed to be. Is it a serious snowboarding? I think it's sim? half roads between Amped, if you ever played Amped. And SSX. Yeah. Is that kind of. I just want a new SSX game. I like Damped. Yeah, but SSX had Tricky in it. But I don't think it's going to be Tricky. I don't think it's EA Big. It's coming out on PC, PS4, and Xbox One on December 2nd. Um, There is another expansion coming to the crew. 
if Woo-hoo! anybody out there is still playing the crew. It's not a bad game. It's just a dull, annoying Ubisoft game where you have to find find towers in a car because Assassin's Creed and Watchdogs made it work. So now we're going to do yeah. it and make it oh, work. And Far Cry. Um, yeah, in a squashed version of America. Um, For Honor is getting a closed alpha on September 15th, but from 15th to the 18th on also gets PC, PS4 and Xbox One. Of course, it's getting a collector's edition, yeah. Um, so that's also, can we confirm that is coming to PC because we thought before that it would probably just be a console game. Yeah, you can register on the website if you want to get in on the, the closed alpha. That game looks interesting, but it's coming out on the same day as Persona 5, so unlucky. Interestingly, there's another Siberia game, which is something from the mm, early 2000s. Point click kind of um, Point and click game, yeah, which I vaguely remember playing. Um, but apparently there's a, a third one of those coming out, uh, potentially December sometime. It's another one of the Euro Trash games, isn't it? The kind of like European style developer, kind of yeah. Prague, Czechoslovakia kind of era. Still Life was one of them as well for that yeah. same kind of ranch. If you ever put, I played that, it was pretty alright, kind of. But it had that English was never quite English in it, and it just jarred when you played it. Um, but it could be good. Middle of the Road's kind of game, 6 out of 10. Uh, Telltale Games released a really random uh, Mr. Robot game, which is on your phone, which yeah. I thought was going to be a proper Telltale game. And then I was looking into it, doing the show notes, and I was like, oh, what's this? You're just texting and trying to hack something in a game on your phone, and hmm. well, whatever. It's just promo for the new series, isn't it? Because the new series isn't it long, isn't it? I think season two is six. Something like that, yeah, because it's weekly, isn't it, that they're releasing it yeah. on Amazon. So it's not exactly... Yeah. And, and like we were saying in the green room, it's really hard to follow, and it mm. takes more than one bite. It would, If it was an actual Telltale game, it'd be really interesting, because the probably would trip themselves up big time um, and there'd be so many threads and narrative things going on to make it actually work like the show because the whole thing is the whole it's all about deception and not like, no deception but no knowing and blah 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 and then there's the big reveal whereas I don't know if Telltale could handle something like that gravitas Football Manager 17 is released on the 4th of November for Mark and possibly Adam no mm, no nah. yeah. it's broken he's got it's it on pre-order on he's got it on pre-order yeah. No, we talked about this recently, didn't we? Oh, we've stopped playing them now. Yeah, 15 was the last one I bought. Yeah, same. Not getting back into it. It's not sucking me back in. I can't do it. No, it's like, (laughs) it's like, look, I've just, I've broken. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, that's basically like telling someone who's a recovering heroin addict to say, you know, you want to try a bit more heroin, don't you? Yeah, well, there's a new expansion out for World of Warcraft, so we've got to have some of that as well. (laughs) Get on Legion. Um, what else did we get? Uh, some more footage from Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Uh, the more I see of that game, the more incredible it looks. I know you won't agree, Stuart, but... Who? I think the rest of us are excited. Will? Yeah. What now? Are you, are you not interested at all, uh, either, Bally? I, I possibly would be if I could be bothered to buy a Nintendo <laughs> Wii U. Oh, mate, a Wii U is going to be... like They're going to be pissed cheap when the NX goes around the corner. We'll see. I need something. I need, I need Goldeneye. That's what I need. Yeah. Then I'll buy one. <laughs> As we mentioned before the break, uh, Pokemon Snap is coming to the f- proper Wii U virtual console, so you won't have to go through the, the hoops that Stuart Neal had to go through to, to get it. What else did we get? There's a new trailer for Recall. Yeah. Um, looks pretty good. Yeah, Recall's definitely on my radar now. Um, it's 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 definitely something because I, I was like meh record cheap game but when you actually look at it it's like the guy that made Mega Man actually made Mega Man I'm not talking about the mighty number nine uh, the guy that made Mega Man and Jason jo- uh, Joe Stanton who's like God who 
worked with Bungie and Rut Hale and his god are coming together to make Rico that's going to be a good game I don't care what anybody says that's going to be a good game Rocket League have celebrated 20 million players in that game uh, which is quite an achievement for a studio of that size uh, what else did we get uh, below the Capybara game that's been oh, yeah. teased by um, this is an Xbox exclusive isn't it it's been teased for a few years now uh, it has been delayed again uh, it's no longer coming out this summer no solid release date the weird thing is this time last year I played it uh, an Xbox media event thing yeah and it's like what the hell are they playing at maybe it's just content like there isn't enough of it I don't know I'm shocked maybe but it's it's not like it's been pushed back um, to some point in the future it's been delayed indefinitely yeah so no idea when that's going to come out whether there are some whether it's got some technical problems or yeah maybe they're just working on what, some more content I don't know but that game looks really interesting see I'm surprised we've not heard any about Gigantism, gigantism, that's a disease. <laughs> Gigantor thingy me bob that was baited. Oh, gigantic. Which was a yeah. mobile. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's kind of, we're not on E3, not at Gamescom. And it's like, just, just keep it quiet, just keep it quiet. It's like, Battleborn died. Just, shh, shh. <laughs> <laughs> nobody, nobody saw us doing this. Just, just continue. Yeah. Just, shh. I thought, because I thought it was kind of like, they made a big thing about it last year's E3 and then it's had the beta and stuff. And yeah. It's kind of like, yeah, it's Fable Legends all over again. Uh, we saw some more gameplay footage for Ukulele. Um, that looks like a good game. Uh, City Skyline is getting another expansion. That's a, that's a game I keep meaning to check out because it was that was the game that came out and everyone was saying, like, this is what the last SimCity should have been. Um, and I love the SimCity game, so I need to actually get onto playing City Skyline at some point. <laughs> Was there anything else that we've missed? That's about it. I think we've. I think Hall COVID. Four ran out of yeah. mustard, and that was a big issue yeah. during the conference. <laughs> it's like, yeah, all these bratwurst have no mustard. You can't have bratwurst without mustard. I know it was, yeah. it was. It was criminal. It was. It was horrible. It was sad Germans everywhere. Mm. <laughs> That's one thing I'll say about Gamescom. Um, watching it for the comfort of my home. Um, it seems like it's really German orientated. Now that sounds really strange, but it's the case it's in Germany and stuff. But it all seems like it's all in German. If that makes Is sense. Is that why no David like Hasselhoff was there? Possibly. Yeah. Um, a lot of the signs are in German as well, aren't they? I've noticed. Yeah, picks and yeah. Whatnot. Because he's been looking for freedom, um, <laughs> and a lot of people turn around and say to me like, "Oh, do you know what games come?" I'm kind of like, "Well, I don't really want to go to a games convention where all the games are in German and the signs are in German and the people are in German." No, nothing hey, against Germans. Hey, Germany you know is I mean? great. I love Germany. Oh yeah, I had some cracking times in Germany. Oh god, yeah. It's a case of like. If you, I would rather go to like an E3 or somewhere where it's all in English, and I can because like, I just think for what I've heard from people as well, a lot people who've been, a lot of people say it is very German. Uh, funny that, but I'm saying that in the sense that like yeah, but it's the same as like international Paris Expo, you know Games I mean? Week is very, but the French, French are the French. Tokyo French Game Show is well, very Japan, Japanese. But many many Scottish folk go to Japan. To see the Tokyo Game Show, like, like seriously, like, does, does the Tokyo Game Show get any coverage other than the satellite journalists who are uh, like no. supercells in Japan? Because no, some I of the, like the bigger publications, like Polygon and, and IGN and Gamespot, will send people there. Ah, but well, all these guys have got supercells, but like clandestine guys that sit in that live in Japan, and they, 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 that's what they do. Because mm. I was kind of like, there's a guys I know that that's what they do. They are supercells for 
games websites and they just write the stuff about the Japanese stuff when yeah. it harms but you don't you never like I never hear folk going oh I'm off to Tokyo Game Show this week no it's usually like everybody's like I'm going to Gamescom I'm going to E3 I'm going to PAX nobody ever goes to Japan and it's just a really weird thing but that's because like you think about it like we're, we're looking at it from like a, a, a western anglicised point of view where on most of the, the the big you know gaming magazines and gaming websites are American, so of course they're going to go to PAX and and uh, and E three and events like that. And the mm. same with like a lot of English publications as well, because it's easy. Everybody speaks English, you know. It's- well, an example is um, I'm I review Attack on Titans new game, and as I'll be first to say, it's the first Japanese game I've ever played in a review sense, and it's total juxtaposition because you're kind of like. This is really hard to sell to a mass market. You're you're a guy, and there's big giants that eat people, and it's really all in, it's all in Japanese. There's no English. Well, you'd be surprised. It's, Attack on Titan has got massive. a rapid fan base, and that's what I'm, yeah, that's, and it's not got English dubbing. But that's what I mean. But that's what I'm saying is like, from my stance, because you got to remember, I'm white van man, <laughs> game <Yeah>. journalist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm no I'm no like Stuart Keith at the the Guardian like. I can't get away with that shit I need to be like if the man in the van doesn't get it I'm failed um, so it's like you can't you can't do certain words in like no words but you can't you can't take liberties if you know what I mean you need to boil it to the core concept and it was just an eye opener because I'm like wow and I was like I've never I've always shied I've never shied away from it but I've never actually really embraced the Japanese side of things because how the hell do you explain that to a man in a van whereas like it's, it's interesting you saying that you know what I mean because it's definitely there is definitely a juxtaposition in culture you know how I mean? would you explain a lot of western indie games that are quite avant-garde to a man in the van well I've been there and done it trying to explain inside was very challenging hmm because inside your gut instinct is, oh, you're a wee boy and you die all the time. But that doesn't really help the cause. That no. really issues the cause. Whereas we, as, as, as you've seen, you know, I mean, we were, we took it as a very structured criticism and stuff. And I think that was the key, the, the success of it. Whereas um, it, it just, it comes down to how you attack it and how you take it. And I just think it's 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 good for the media to challenge these things and mm. to feature these things. Because at the end of the day, I'll come around and I'll be able to go, oh, Attacking Titan was one of my, my Stranger reviews, but it was one of my best reviews because I challenged myself. Whereas it's great to bring that to a wider audience as well. Because many folk in Scotland are really outside of the clique. Outside of the clique, right? How many folk are actually going to know what the fuck Attacking Titan is? Do you know what I mean? It's quite hard to sell. Well, anyone who is interested in um, anime uh, will have heard of Attack on Titan. If Even if they haven't seen it, they'll have heard of it because it's up there as being like one of the most revered pieces of, of Japanese animation, like televised Japanese animation. But that's no who I'm talking to, if you know what I mean. That's the easy road. Is to no, talk but to them. That, that is the market for that game. True, but then it's also more noble to try and get the folk who don't know about it. But aye, anyway, save Steve. But uh, coming back to Gamescom, like I, I don't know, I, I think it's an interesting convention. It's one I'd love to go to at some point because um, it's it would be nice. It's more to, doable than E3, I think. Oh yeah, for sure. It's a hell of a lot closer and it's a lot cheaper, and and uh, the food's probably a lot better. Oh, it's um, sausage. The beer's <laughs> definitely going to be better. But yeah, it, it's just like you know, it, it's nice to have. Uh, conventions like this and um, and Paris Games Week, where it's not necessarily you know a, a, an English speaking, uh, you know, uh, English anglicised centric sort of uh, gaming convention. 
Um, because I, I guess a lot of Europeans will probably feel a little bit alienated by that. Especially because not every, it's, you know, uh, despite popular convention, not everyone in Germany speaks English. A lot of them do. But, um, I don't know. It's it's an interesting convention, on, and it's I'd it's just it's like different. Eurogame would be the same size, isn't it? Because it's massive. Yes, yeah. But um, do you know it's it's it'd be nice. I know Eurogamer's big. Yeah, we should probably mention actually because we haven't really talked about it on the podcast. Uh, a group of us are going to Eurogamer this year. We um, muzzles and chairs, so yeah. we won't attack you. Straight jackets, minders, um, tasers, everything. So how many of us are going? There's you, me, um, Kev, Kev's going, Ali, Stuart. Ali's going, uh, Stuart Neal and his brother are going to be there as well. Uh, I will Don't be forget there. his bro, legend. Yeah, I'll be there with it with my good lady as well. And we're, oh, I'm going with mine as well. Mate. I'm going with Kelly, uh, three years Eurogamer widow. Most of us are going to be there on the Friday and the Saturday. I think you're there for the full week, aren't you? Uh, me? Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm so, daft. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to Eurogamer and you're going to be there um, uh, on the Friday or the Saturday, or uh, then you'll be able to meet a bunch of us. If you're going to be there at any other point, you'll be able to meet Stuart. Probably Atrium Bar is the... Going from last year, Atrium Bar is the uh, the hub. Don't don't bother um, tweeting him because uh, he, he just says he's busy and he won't ever meet up with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I never said that. Did, yeah. that, did, yeah. did we try me up last year? Said, yeah. Anti-social bastard. You might have a Scottish name, but you're not Scottish, so I'm not meeting up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what my excuse was, but I know because it's like we're yeah. like we're at the Forzers. I hate that. That's the worst thing about Eurogamer. Just on that note, is you're like I'm at this stand. You're like right, run across, running. Where are you now? Oh, I'm at this stand, and you're like no, just stand still. And you went, we're at the Forzers stand, and I'm like I'm in queue for uh, need for speed. It's like, yeah, the queue's like four hours long. Don't worry. Mm. But yeah, if if any of you fancy meeting up with us when we're there, uh, coming over and having a chat, um, then just hit us up on on Twitter, or uh, send us an email, just get, or, or message us on Facebook or wherever you just want to get in contact. Shout with. Us. We'll, we'll, we'll probably us, have yeah. t-shirts. Yeah, most most people will be in the board game area or the retro yeah. area. Just just calling that out now. Yeah, probably. Me and Sue won't be. Yeah, we'll we'll be queuing for whatever the, the battlefield one's going to be there. Yeah. So. Well, we're going to try and meet up with some people and try and maybe get some interviews. Um, we might try and record uh, some audio of our thoughts of what we've seen in the pub at the uh, the end of uh, what, just Friday in the pub Saturday. Just the car. Might, might record it as well, and then we can put it on <laughs> yeah, the YouTube. Yeah, we'll, we'll try and get some some audio recorded for uh, for the podcast. But yeah, if you want to meet up with us, just let us know. As usual, if you want to get in contact with us, then you can uh, message us on Twitter at LapsGamer. Then you can email us at LapsedGamer at gmail.com. You can visit our website, LapsedGamer.com. You can find episodes of the podcast to download and stream at lapsgamerradio.podbean.com. And you can also find us on iTunes. Uh, if you do go by iTunes, then please be so kind as to leave us a review. Um, We've got our ongoing um, games giveaway thing that's still trundling along. Um, if you want any of the games, we will put the link to the spreadsheet in the show notes and just put your name down uh, and your email address or Twitter handle next to one of uh, the games that you want and we'll give the codes away uh, once a week. Um, if you want to get in contact with us because you fancy being a guest on the show, then, then please do. We're always open to have guests on because it's always nice to have... Uh, Everybody's welcome. Everybody's welcome, yeah. They had me for... Come on, I'm the benchmark. You know yeah. I mean? I get in. You know what I mean? I get in and get a job. Exactly. Anybody, like, you know what I mean? 
as evidenced by the fact that Cullen is still here, we we operate <laughs> through choice. We Not operate choice. Uh, an open door policy here at Laps Gamer Radio, so <laughs> all are welcome. Um, but yeah, uh, thanks for listening to this rather odd split in two across a week episode. This is probably going to end up being a, a long one, so if you got to the end of the episode, then congratulations. And, Hot uh, dog, have yourself a wiener. Yeah, have yourself a bratwurst. Um, with mustard. With mustard. Currywurst. <laughs> oh, mate, currywurst so is good. amazing. Oh, God. <laughs> if done correctly. Oh, it's so good. The only good thing about a Christmas market is the day of the German sausage. That's the best thing at it. That's going to be edited in the wrong context, but I don't care. So if you've made it to the end of this episode, congratulations. Uh, we'll be back next week with another regular Laps News episode. Uh, but I guess that's all that's left to be said. Is thanks for listening and goodbye. Bye. Bye-bye. Catches.